Oh my god, Ron, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Shut your goddamn mouth. Episode 89 of Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and along with Soulbro and Chris. Guys, say hello to the folks out there. What's up, gang? How y'all doing today? So, <laughs> In this episode, uh, it's probably one that a lot of people have been waiting for, and I'm sure it's going to be uh, popular. for the, uh, It'll be popular post on that uh, Gundam hate thread on uh, 4chan. On, uh, so, and, uh, for, well, because, you know, we, we, we all suck. Yeah, of course. And, and, we're, so and we're super positive about everything. You Including know, we, Destiny. Yes. Oh boy. It wasn't it, it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. So I'm sorry, Solbro. Because you're you're charismatic, I'm gonna have to spend the whole time this episode trying to knock down everything you say. Sweet. Because yeah, you're the only interesting one, and of course I am jealous of this because I'm such a hateful bastard who has horrible reviews because really? everyone knows that mhq is only good for the mecha profiles pretty much yeah and, what, and what all of my opinions are completely invalid because my reviews are so stupid and bad it sounds what, like a, what, what was the whole thing about mecha talk everybody's a cock mongler or something down there is that what yeah that too that form is just it's a hive of scum and villainy <laughs> well it sounds like across the board it's another day at the office yeah <laughs> Just awesome. another day on 4chan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, our first topic is going to be, uh, we're going to talk about the first four episodes of Gundam Rage. I mean, Gundam Age, or what or everybody Gundam calls Sage. Gundam Sage, or, you know, Baby Gundam. You know, so, Baby Gundam. Oh, good Baby Gundam. How but, is Baby Gundam formed? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that'll that'll inspire a lot of hate talk, especially on the Becca talk there. And uh, after that, we'll be going. We're going to be talking about the live action uh, Space Battleship Yamato movie that was released what last year, Chris? Yes. Uh, and so we'll be talking about that. And but before we begin. We got some news here, and like always, this is coming from the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Mecha Talk forum, and the first one... Oh, talk monglers. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, and, and they're... <laughs> exactly. But uh, the first one here comes from Furious Rodimus, and uh, this is actually pretty interesting. I think it's pretty cool for all those people that just like looking at cool things. Um, this is from the website geeksaresexy.net, and there's some really cool uh, Star Wars... And uh, Gundam dioramas that are, um, you know, and they it's they have it set up pretty nicely where they got these, um, you know, they got all these scans of these things, and we got you know incomplete Death Star, and we've got Gundam getting serviced, and Gundam what, getting serviced. What kind of pornography is this? Oh, well, you know what I mean. Who's doing the servicing? Is it Noble it, Gundam? It is getting its oil changed and stuff. Oh my! Wait. wait. <laughs> When did Sulu come in here? Oh my! <laughs> oh my! <laughs> but yeah, definitely check that out. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. So um, 
Thank you, Mr. Furious Rodimus, for your submission there. Um, and uh, this next one here, this is a new poster. I've never had this person post before in here. And uh, it's from a poster, Chris. I wonder who this is. Hey, some asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of, he, he, he's very opinionated in his post here. It's just, you know, he's <laughs> linked here and it's like, it's very, Okawara's at it again, designing another mascot robot for a city. Where's my booze? But, uh. <laughs> And, and this is coming from the Anime News Network, and uh, just like he did, man, a couple months ago, where he had like that mama son there, but that was creepy old grandma. Yeah, this one he's got an apple. It's a little apple robot, and Kunio Urkawara, um, he's uh, did this for the city of Inagi City in Tokyo Prefecture, and it's Jet Inoue. Um, he he also collaborated with Urkawara to create this little. It's actually a pair. And, the cute uh, little pear thing robot. Yeah. That's, that's like the mascot of the city. The uh, pear is famous from that place. Yeah, it's actually not as creepy as the um, as the Mama-san there was. Yeah. There's a couple pictures on the bottom there. It's, you know, of course, the animated version, and then there's an actual person in a costume. And uh, yeah, looks looks kind of cool. I mean, keep that up. No more disturbing old ladies. Uh, <laughs> yes, oh. just stick with the cute fruit-shaped robots. Exactly. We all love fruit-shaped robots. So thank you, Submitter Chris, for your article there. Um, and the next one that we have here is another one from Furious Rodimus. And uh, this one was actually kind of funny. This is coming from Japaninator. And there is now the Red Comic Motorbike. It is a Zaku 2 uh, modified Honda CBR250R. And uh, it's got the um, the mono eye. It's got the little hoses that go around, and of course it's char red with all the decals and stuff. And uh, it was uh, listed on the Yahoo auctions, and it ended at three hundred and twenty thousand yen. So um, get speed sh- tickets three times faster. Exactly, <laughs> crash three times quicker. So uh, <laughs> and get laughed your, at. Your your brains spread out on the road three times farther. <laughs> insurance rates times quicker too. So <laughs> and insurance rates go up three times higher. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that call to the insurance people? It's a what? <laughs> so it's a what? It's a it's a it's a Char Zaku. Okay, we, we know what a Honda CBR is. We but don't we don't saying, insure mobile suits. <laughs> we don't we don't know all these uh, these modifications that you're talking about because you're wanting to put this for thirty thousand dollars, but yet the bike's only worth ten. What's going on here? What's a Minoski drive? <laughs> is that fuel efficient? Is that meet California? I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> But uh, thank you, Mr. Furious Rodimus, and um, like I said, definitely check it out. Now, this is what I want, but unfortunately, I work for the gun or for the government, so I don't (laughs) slip there. Uh, This is coming from uh, Poster Hayaku Shiki, and this is coming from the Gundam Guy blog. There is a computer workstation that looks like the 360 um, cockpit of. of the Gundam. It's got a guy, the picture is a guy sitting in a chair, and then these bars come over him, and then you have three screens in front of you, and then he's got like the, uh, the um, keyboard in his lap and everything, and of course things on the, on the armrest of the chair, you know, with his mouse and all that. So it's, um, it's called the Emperor. There's the Emperor 1510, which is $6,200 US, and then there is the Emperor 200, which is 44000 So, Lord. Yeah. I want this thing so hard yesterday. 
<laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? I would even and just just while I'm sitting here alone in in my cave of solitude and and hate and venom, I'd be wearing a pilot suit while sitting in that thing. Actually, if, if it's called the Emperor, I'd be wearing the Emperor Palpatine robes. Yes. <laughs> Your your hot I would, I would give this you a score they won't like. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine doing spreadsheets on this thing? Holy God, man, oh. dude! <laughs> I wonder what's I wonder what the difference is between the one that's forty four uh, thousand and sixty two hundred, and if um both of these are pictured here because I'm I'm looking at the link and I I, I see just. I guess I see the other model. Looks like it's kind of white. The other comes complete with a uh, psychotic girl from your local insane asylum. Sweet. <laughs> well, it looks like one has only got like one screen. Oh yeah, look uh, at that. Yeah, so that's probably yeah. I yeah, mean, if, are, are the are the monitors included as part of the thing? That's that's what I want to know. I would hope yeah, so. That, we'll have to go to their website to see because um yeah that yeah I would imagine they are. I mean Ooh. monitors for are, that price they better be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Hayaku Shiki, for your submission. And uh, last one here comes from Wilder, and this this is going to make a lot of people excited, especially us, because you know we uh, we gave it such positive reviews. Gundam Seed. There's going to be an HD remaster project coming out for uh, that's going to be streamed on the Bandai Channel, starting on December 23rd. So um, you know, I guess um, get your pre torrents ready because I'm sure that'll be that'll be up available on. Um, on the internet somewhere somehow not advocating that but uh just saying i, I have a friend who she, she's obsessed with gundam seed unfortunately specifically with kira unfortunately and uh she she wants to buy these uh box sets even though they're fifteen thousand yen each for yeah. only 12 episodes per box yeah. set which is a horrible ripoff yeah horrible. but but you get the exclusive booklet, the creditless opening and ending animation footage, an audio commentary for one episode per disc, and an exclusive box. Isn't that yeah, that's, worth it? That's that's the even more expensive version. The fifteen thousand dollar box. The fifteen thousand. The fifteen thousand yen box set is the yeah. standard edition. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and here's my thing about the Seed HD remaster. I, I have a big problem with this because they haven't explained how they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Seed comes from an era in anime production where shows were not made for high definition. You're right. I think the I think the way they might be doing it though is um since it was it was it was uh colored and um uh, primarily made computer um but with using computers, they could probably go back and remaster it from um the work that they did and they could probably just Possibly. scale up the work. That's that's mm-hmm. not a problem. My biggest issue is the fact that it's in widescreen. Oh, yeah. true. Because the show was animated at 4x3, which is yeah. a box, and 60x9 is a rectangle. The only way that you can turn a box into a rectangle is to cut off the top and bottom yep. and mm-hmm. thus remove parts of the picture, which to me is basically a mutilation of the film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, because I agree with that. Because you'll have like the tops of heads cut off and the bottoms of things, and everything will just look weird. Whenever I've seen anything that gets fake widescreen by, like this, yeah. it's instantly apparent to me, and it bothers yeah. me the whole time I'm watching that thing. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll really make it confusing if the tops of, of, uh, of Kira and Kigali's heads are cut off. Um, you <laughs> won't you know which one, who? who's who. <laughs> I don't see their hair coloring. What's going on here? Is that well, yellow? Is that is that brown? What's going on here? Some company, some companies take the time to center the footage, but some companies don't. If they're looking to cash in and make a quick buck, so oh, we'll, I wonder we'll, what route we're going here. I know, and a perfect. It's, it's time to 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 work it perfectly. 
or will they just go in for the quick cash? Well, here's a perfect here's a perfect example. Remember when they um did the Dragon Ball in widescreen uh, a couple years back, and then now they released Dragon Ball Kai. Well, the difference between the Dragon Ball that uh Funimation released in widescreen is that people's heads are cut off, and it, there is a mutilation of the they footage. They fake widescreen it. They fake widescreen and, and tried to like lie about it and, and got then, caught. Exactly, and then Kai is actually they took the time to center the footage and 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 try to um, improve the quality of the, uh, the the footage and all of that. So there's a stark difference between the well, two. Well, there's also a difference it. because the the they in the case of Kai is not Funimation but rather Toei. Toei, that is right, that is right. And um, Toei went back to the masters and actually just you know did everything so that it would be presentable in widescreen. Still, stuff is cut off though, and when it comes down to it, you know the, you can center the shots, but you're still going to be missing shit and that, that's a problem as far as i'm concerned yeah. and i don't expect that we're going to get this here anyway because we've never gotten any of the remastered releases even on dvd except mm-hmm. for the recent re-release of mobile suit gundam original right and i have a so, question though i have a question though why wouldn't they do like one of the original shows wouldn't that sell a lot better especially in japan if especially you know with well, they've already done on Blu-ray in Japan. Uh, they did Double O, of course, because mm-hmm. uh, that that debuted natively in in HD and was made for Blu-ray. Uh, they've done Zeta and Double Zeta, and of course, the whole thing with Zeta is next year's the 10th anniversary. That's why this. Yeah, whole I guess. Yeah, about. okay, yeah. that's true. So they're trying to cash in on that, which is why they're doing the uh, the HD remaster model kits, which is the exact same model kits from 10 Tip. years ago with like new colors and new decals. Whoop de doo. Ooh. Well, just thinking, two years when we might be getting a Gundam Sea Destiny HD remix. I'm I don't sure, think uh, there's going to be as much celebration for the 10th anniversary of Destiny. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I know one household there will be a celebration. Uh, would, that, would that be a man of jab? Maybe. Maybe. Well, you know, funny... Funny he should come up because uh, our our pal Jabman was also getting hated on on uh, 4chan, so I guess he's made it. He's famous now, just like we oh, are. Oh, damn! You can't, you can't do that. We're, I'm only supposed to hate on Jabman. <laughs> your well, your title has been Man. usurped by Anonymous. Damn! Oh, damn you, Anonymous! Damn you! <laughs> so congratulations, Jabman. You have arrived. Welcome, yeah, welcome to the internets. Now is is he our um, is he our version of Crackhead Bob? You know. Are we get, are we gonna have are we gonna have the band of misfits shortly that uh, Howard Stern had? <laughs> All these guys are gonna be able be able to go towards stuff. It'll be him, Peter, and and uh, Pedro. <laughs> Maybe they'll be getting they'll be getting their own um, their own um, uh, panel at a convention. <laughs> Possibly. But uh, all right, man. I well, I'm too excited about this uh, Gundam Seed. That box set, that's that's money well spent right there. You're getting a lot. You get so much. My whole thing is, you know, I would would have to see like comparison screenshots of the same footage, both in the original DVD version and then in this new Blu-ray version to see, you know, what did they actually do? Did they center the footage and try to expand the frame there, or did they just get lazy and crop the top and the bottom? I I tend to think it's going to be the the cheaper route. Yeah. I, yeah, I will. I will go with uh, the latter there. And uh, I, but you know what? I can't wait to see some of those pink explosions in in HD. I mean, and I also think that as usual, some people are 
overestimating what the, what's going to be produced and setting themselves up for more disappointment because Mom. there was mention that there'd be some redone animation and some new music, which, you know, already has people assuming that, like, all of the stock footage is being removed and redone, which no one ever said that at all. So, as usual, it's fans assuming way more than what the reality actually provides. Right. And two, that the soundtrack is going to be redone. What? Why would they want to redo it? I mean, I thought it was fine. <laughs> it's just the usual, the you know, a little, little bit of information, yeah. and Gundam fans assume that uh, it means 10,000 times more what it actually does. Well, and you forgot what it's also going to mean for those people. The fact that they're remastering this show now means that that movie's back on. Yes, seed movie! Woo, 2014! <laughs> you know... It's already been floated. Oh, I, hey man, sweet. You know, oh this 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 seed Blu-ray thing. It must it must mean they're getting ready for the movie. No, it's the 10th anniversary. Oh, yeah, but they got all these you know new kits. No, it's the same old kits. Oh, yeah, <laughs> same old kits, new decals, of different colors. Yeah, new coloring and decals on 10 year old kits, and possibly. <laughs> Cropping the top and bottom off of a 10-year-old anime does not mean some massive revival leading into this uh, vaporware movie. Brace oh, come on, man. It is. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Sure, it is. You know what? Just so that no one says, like, in, in, like, 10 years, like, hey, you said 15 years ago this wouldn't happen, and now it finally did 15 years later. I will say it now, officially, the position of Gundam and MHQ is the seed movie is happening. <laughs> However, Shin's- Unicorn still does not exist. Nice. Yes. Shin's counterattack is coming. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, after, so, folks, after- you heard it here. From now on, we will always insist that the Seed movie is happening. So, there you go. There we go. All Got right. Got my covered a decade into the future. Right on. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Wheeler, for that for that article. We actually talked about it a lot more than I thought we would have. But uh, just, just keep it up, though. Those are definitely the articles we like. So, um and like we instituted, and well, like we instituted a couple shows ago, the mailbag is now going to be at the end of the show. And I just want to thank everybody for their submissions. And uh, you know, if you have any articles that you want to submit, just go to the newest listener submitted news articles thread in the Mecha Talk forum. So that den of cockmonglers. Yes, yes. So uh, anything else, guys? Before we get into our first topic, uh, Baby Gundam. Nope. The first four episodes of Baby Gundam. And. All right, so uh, we will be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Brandon was just a dork who wanted to shoot lightning out of his hands like Gundam Ryu from Street Fighter. So I waved my magic wand and brought this lightning bolt legend out to Hollywood, where the nerd always gets the girl. Check it out, Gundam Nation. One of our longtime listeners, Eric Keith, has a new project on the horizon that he needs your help on. On the call-in show, I at the end, I plugged a webcomic I'm going to be working on, or I actually am working on now, where I'm the writer, and a gentleman named uh, Michael is going to be the, the artist. Well, in this webcomic, it is going to be based on the Dreamcast Gundam game called 0079 Side Story 
Rise from the Ashes. If you've never heard of it before, it was a really awesome first-person Gundam simulator where you played a, a member of the MS team White Dingoes in Australia near where the uh, initial colony that Xeon dropped had landed and where Xeon, of course, have took, taken over. And you lead a small ragtag team of, of MS pilots and you fight against Dom, Zaku's, a goaf shows up and uh, at the end you fight some ridiculously overpowered Xeon tank called the Rhino, which was designed before the thing from Igloo, MS Igloo. The comic's gonna be based on that game, and what I'm gonna be doing is getting a group of people together that are fans of what the comic is about, and stick them in the background, and have them be, you know, not main characters, like, you may not even have a speaking part, but what I wanna do is I wanna take you guys from the Facebook group, and from Mecha Talk, and if you're interested, I'll have my email address uh, down below. Send me a, a headshot of yourself, and when we start working on the comic and releasing it in about a year, and you just might actually see yourself in the background. You heard right. If you'd like to be a character in the background of this new manga project, definitely head on over to youtube.com slash channel 609. That's literally channel S-I-X-O-N-I-N-E and view the entire Rise from the Ashes video where Eric explains the whole concept. If you want to reach him by email, send him a message to erictkeith at gmail.com. And if you'd like to see the artwork of the um, artist involved, Mike Fontecchio, visit his DeviantArt account at mr Hayami H-A-Y-A-M-I, dot DeviantArt.com. We wish Eric and Mike the best of luck with this project, and we can't wait to see how it turns out. Thank you guys, and I'll talk to you guys later on. Bye. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes Pretentious Internet Theater. Gun Damn! You got to be a stupid mother to get fired on your day off. This segment of Gundam at MHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and for this topic, we're going to be discussing the question that is at the top, at the forefront of everyone's minds ever since June when a certain announcement came. Mm. How is Babby formed? <laughs> <laughs> and by Babby, I mean Gundam for Babby. Mm -hmm. And by Gundam for Babby, I mean Gundam Age. Oh. Or Baby Gundam. Yes. Little infants. They're uh, piloting mobile suits, saving the world. Because who wants to see kids pilot mobile suits? Yeah. Oh, my God. Madness. Madness, <laughs> I say. But anyway, here we are reviewing a uh, Gundam show as, as it airs against our better judgment. 
Yeah. But it's been a long time since we did Double O, and we've learned from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to give litanies about uh, the plot of these shows as we discuss them because we assume either you've watched it already if you're listening to this, and if you haven't, well, too bad. And if you want more detailed stuff, just read my damn reviews. There you mm-hmm. go. MHQ.net, gang. So we're just going to hit up quick bullet points with each episode and then get right into our thoughts about that episode. So What about what about Solbro guarantees? Are there going to be any in this, this episode? You might be surprised. I, I can't guarantee any <laughs> Solbro guarantees. I can neither confirm nor deny the presence of Solbro guarantees. <laughs> oh, it is not the policy of MHQ. <laughs> Deniability, huh? <laughs> to, to endorse Sobro guarantees in any way, shape, or form. If you are not the intended recipient of this email, please delete it immediately. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. We'll see indeed. So, <laughs> the first episode we're going to be talking about is the first episode, episode. And that is entitled The Savior Gundam. So, quickly, we've got this kid, Flit Asuno, whose mom was killed by burning rubble in typical baby fashion mm-hmm. and she gives him this uh, cell phone not a cell Maya. phone Maya the, the age <laughs> device which has the blueprints for a Gundam right. and this is all due to an unknown enemy called the unknown enemy attacking Federation space colonies in the good old advanced generation universe so seven years later Flit lives on this space colony called Nora and he's working with the military to develop the Gundam based on the specs in the age device and his happy existence comes to an end when the UE suddenly attack Nora and he's forced into action using the Gundam Age One and there's your first episode. Mm. Oh, all right. <laughs> so, Sobro, give us uh, your comments on this first episode. Good and bad, but of course more good since we are excessively positive about everything on this show. And, Wait, he, and, he, and even your bad comments have to have good in them. Well, damn. Yes. Well, well, you guys know this was the worst episode ever, man. And by worst, do you mean best? By by worst, I mean best. You know, because he had the bread in his mouth. (laughs) Oh, my God. Holy shit. I was going to go there, and I can't believe you went there. But go on. Holy shit, man. How dare he? How dare he have bread in his mouth? No, um... I, I, I remember hearing that I was uh, that was part of the backlash, and it's like I've never heard anything so stupid in my life. Um, I I really uh, I, you know, it's it's not the most fast paced Gundam episode, but it's almost point for point for point the same pace as the first episode of Mobile Suit Gundam, which I could definitely appreciate. It almost had that familiar feeling of uh, the first episode of Gundam. Of course, there's major things that are different. Uh, the main character. And Mobile Suit Gundam didn't even didn't have much knowledge about the Gundam even existing in the first episode. While this main character, he already been through he already been he he went through a traumatic experience at a much younger age, and he's still a young age, but uh, he's directly involved with building the Gundam. And although it's not said he's going to be the pilot of it, he's building it so that it can actually um, help them to win against the enemy. And I, I like his involvement with the Gundam. I thought that was a pretty nice touch, uh, and the fact that he's so spirited about it. Uh, I um. I know that there's one major point of contention that a lot of people pointed out in this first episode, uh, and that is when uh, he meets up with, uh, what's his name, uh, Commander Bruzon. Bruiser. Yeah. Bruiser. Bruiser. It's Bruiser. Um, when he meets up with Commander Bruiser early in the episode, and in his hands, he's holding uh, a wrapped up piece of paper, and uh, you know he runs into the commander of the base of the colony that they're on. And you don't know what the significance of that piece of paper is yet, but uh, he runs into him, and then later on runs into... Uh, 
<clears throat> Vargas, who is helping him design the the, the Gundam Age uh, robot, and uh, he runs into all these important people that have to do with the military. And then he finally gets to school with Emily and DK. And when he gets to class, DK actually brings up, and this is what something I noticed, he brings up the fact of uh, the the chance of, uh, I, I guess, some other attack that the UE had done at another colony somewhere. And it brings the topic up, and when the teacher comes in, uh, Flit is all, you know, pretty much hot and bothered about the chance that they're going to get attacked. And then he shows the teacher the piece of uh, the piece of paper that he's been carrying the entire time. And it's plans or it's his pretty much his his prediction that their colony, Nora, is about to be attacked next. Now, that's something he could have shown <laughs> the commander of the base or even Vargas before he got to school. But he chose to show a teacher which really has no say in the matter. <laughs> and the teacher just shoots him down as if it's crazy talk. But. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that is pretty dumb. Yeah. And it is an obvious oversight. But before you even get to that, I would say, why is this like 14 year old super genius in school with basically a bunch of dumb kids? Yeah. Yeah. That's shouldn't, he, shouldn't he be in college? Shouldn't he have already graduated from college, maybe? Yeah, I mean, going for his PhD or something, and I mean, he's in the, he's super genius kid, and he's in he's in the same class with Deke, who's going, oh, they just attacked, they just the UE just attacked somebody the other day. I'm so scared, Emily. We need to leave. <laughs> there are some logistics in, in this first episode that 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 don't add up a bit, but I guess I want you to, to see that he's almost a regular kid, save save for the fact that he's a super genius. I'm just your time. average normal super genius, average fourteen year old kid who's designing a mobile suit for the military exactly to, to, to me he's tony or howard stark you know he's he's tony he's 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 teen tony yeah pretty much i mean yeah but at, at 14 tony stark's at mit going after co-eds yeah. i mean come on that's a little bit different here which is where he should be you know exactly <laughs> shouldn't be stuck in class with emily and dk <laughs> And you think, too, uh, if it's so damn important to build this robot, why are you even going to school? Like, you know? <laughs> and where's your sense of urgency? Yeah, why don't they just do what they do with the, the kids when, you know, like the movie star kids. They, they bring tutors on the set. You know, when they just, when they just have a tutor on the, in, in the uh, warehouse or the, um, you know, the, oh. the mobile suit hanger. Right. How well did that work out for Lindsay Lohan? Ooh. But she's not a super genius that can build a robot, though. Well, she's a, a super genius at probably getting on her knees and doing some stuff, Ooh. but that's neither here nor there. Well, that's, you know, she developed that skill. Mastered it. Even. She wasn't born with it. <laughs> anyway. What the hell with her? Continue. But, uh, oh, actually, I should continue. But, uh, yes, for the, you're the one who's talking. <laughs> silly me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, other than those, 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 those oversights, um, I thought the episode was pretty well done. It's a very good first episode. It introduces us to a lot. And a lot of things happen. Um, you have the, uh, the attack towards the end. And um, uh, they find every reason for no one to pilot the age until Flit steps up and gets <laughs> yeah. into the age himself. Yeah. And, and, he, and, he, and, of course, you, you see that he's uh, almost a natural. Of course, he stumbles a bit. But uh, he pulls out the beam shank and gets to work. And um, he's a gung ho pilot, man. He's he's in it to win it, and uh, I, I I like his I like his uh, disposition. And um, although he's scared, and he has a moment where he realizes all the carnage has happened, and he has a flashback to what he experienced as a child. I, I, you know, for the most part, it, it was a natural reaction that I I, I, I that I, I enjoyed seeing uh, towards the end of the episode when he finally um he finally overcomes the enemy, and then the other ones make their escape, and um he he kind of has a moment of realization where he 
you know, just survived. Uh, his odds of surviving, even in that suit, were, were pretty steep. And um, he, he managed to pull through and, and make it through with the suit that he has been working on for ages. So um, overall, it's pretty solid. Working on episode. for ages? Oh, 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 I didn't even mean that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that just slipped out. Um, but for the most part, I, I, if, if anything, I, I, I dug the first episode. It has its, uh, it has its dumb moments, but for the most part, uh, it, it, it was pretty fun. And I'll, I'll let Neo go into his, uh, his, his overview of uh, episode one for age. Well, once I saw the toast in his mouth, I immediately hate this show, and I, I will never watch it again because it's stupid and dumb and kids. No. Yeah, it you know it it's not a perfect it's not a perfect first episode. Uh, there is some kind of silliness like we discussed, but you know I enjoyed it. I I like the fact that he's not you know a crybaby whiny kid like why am i in the gundam you know it's adults always trying to fight they're always bringing war i mean this kid like he you know he there's two ways that you're gonna react to seeing your mom getting crushed by burning rubble is Mm -hmm. you're just gonna become like a complete wuss or you're gonna be a freaking vengeful little you know hothead like this kid is and i like the fact that he's a vengeful little hothead So, um, and, you know, and, you know, like we said, some of the stuff is kind of contrived where it's like, you know, every, they, they made it where everybody else somehow could not get into the, into the Gundam age, except this kid. So, well, Hey, uh, he did, uh, unlike a lot of us, he did try to get this dude Largan to pilot it. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's true. Largan's like, no, I'm just going to take the, the, the crappy suit instead Yeah, and, and then get, uh, spawn camped by by the gaffron yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not even gonna make it out of the freaking hangar <laughs> which i gotta admit that's a really cool moment when he's trying to the hangar doors opening and that freaking gaffron is just lying there ready to uh to spawn yeah. camp and blasts the genoese apparently it's they like, play call of, apparently they play call of duty it's like man that's dick yeah it's that that is that is uh that is pretty much dick but yeah i mean um you know in, in terms of uh the look and the feel it you know it's um the gundam i like the way the gundam looks yes they you know they are kitty looking you know because they are kids but you know um after you know the first like 10 or 15 minutes i get kind of past that and you know it, it's not i don't rage too much about it anymore so um but rage yeah. about age rage about age <laughs> but um yeah i mean like i said it you know it's not a perfect first episode but you know it was entertaining to say at least and you know that's about it on my on my thing for episode one all right well uh if you want to hear more from me just read my review moving on <laughs> no. Nice. Oh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> it's the easy way out. That's how streamlined this is. I'm not even going to talk at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I got to say, as far as first episodes of Gundam go, mm-hmm. you know, they almost always follow some kind of a... Uh, formula. Formula. Right. With, you know, probably one of the few exceptions being double O or G because... I mean, yeah. this is our extern extent wing. But otherwise, they always follow that same formula. Well, also turn A. Okay, so they don't always follow the same formula, but at least <laughs> half the time they do. <laughs> Most of the time they do. Always, except for all of these exceptions that I just listed. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this one definitely falls into the mold of following the example of its predecessors, particularly on the UC side. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I liked about this debut episode is that the Gundam got to make its dramatic entrance and actually do something unlike yeah. the first episodes of both Seed and Destiny. Yeah, where they just show up and it's like, oh, episode two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, wait, you wanted the Gundam to do something? 
Oh no, you won't get it to do anything. Yeah. Wait, wait till episode two to see it do something. Be back in one week. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Will Kira or Shin will they save? Will they save their friends with the brand new Gundam? Stay tuned for next episode. Yeah, so that was nice. Um, the mobile suit design is pretty decent so far. The age, yeah. to my eyes, is sort of like the love child of. The Mark II and the Exia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah, they had a romp. They had a romp about nine months ago. The uh, the Genoese it certainly exudes the image of the useless GM, but it does manage to look pretty different. Yeah. Uh, the enemy mecha are pretty neat looking. You know, you got freaking dragon mobile suits, which is not something that we've seen before. That's true. So that is pretty new. I definitely like the fact that you know we have this unknown enemy that for 14 years humanity has been fighting against and don't even know who they are or what they are. Yeah, it's pretty cool. A lot different. A lot different than most Gundam. Yeah, we, yeah, we, where it's just usually the angry space people versus Earth. Yeah, we, yeah, it's it's it's. I think this is the first time we've have a faceless enemy in a TV series where you're not introduced to their side right off the bat like you were in most other series. Um, that that it it, it makes it pretty ominous, and I I do dig that about the show. Yeah, and hell, until the horrible double O movie last year, we never even had a faceless enemy in Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, there was there was always there was always some human connection or something. Even if you go back to G with the Devil Gundam, you had you know Master Asia and Kyoji as the unwitting pilot and Rain and all that stuff. You had some human face to that faceless enemy. Exactly. Yeah. But here so far, there is no face. So that makes it more interesting. However, as I said in my review, the fact that some people within the context of the show think that the UE are aliens almost guarantees that they won't be. So yeah. I fully expect some kind of like Nadesco situation. Oh, uh, we're getting Nadescoed, huh? Hell yeah, man. Bows and jumping. <laughs> yeah. So again, the same, same problems I had with uh, Flip being a super genius who tells his. Uh, completely accurate theory to the person who can do nothing about it yeah after, after <laughs> but, meeting after meeting everybody that could <laughs> you know he's so focused on his thing that he kind of strikes me as a little absent-minded so he might have just been thinking like oh crap i'm late for school i gotta get to school the school that i shouldn't even be going to because i'm so smart yeah <laughs> come on flit we gotta go we're gonna be late <laughs> wait who said that dk oh dk <laughs> But he wasn't even there. It was. It wasn't there. He wasn't there. Was, he wasn't even introduced yet. I was. I'm there in spirit. <laughs> I just like so doing good. this voice. He was on the bus. <laughs> but continue, Chris. He had to get his hat perfect, so it's over that one eye. So of course, you know, at the end of the episode, we got Flit stumbling to uh, defeat the enemy, and before he he beam shanks it like a little bastard. He tries using the Genoese beam spray gun, and it's nice to see the Gundam pilot on the other side of that equation for once, where they fire their weapon, and it just bounces off the armor of the enemy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, like, oh, crap. Like, oh, crap, this is what 10 million grunts in the Gundam multiverse must feel like. This is what Gene and Denim experienced 30 years ago. Yes. <laughs> this is not part of the plan. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm in the most advanced mobile suit there is. Oh, no. <laughs> I also made a point that uh, that our pal Peter disagreed with, predictably. Oh. That um, as a character, Flit experienced the same traumatic event that Shin did, but went in a very different direction from it. Yes, yes, he did. Because Shin saw his family get Mayu'd. Oh, 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 man. And just became this vengeful, angry guy who's completely angry at the world. 
and doesn't do anything more than be angry at the world and never grows up beyond that until, of course, retconned endings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> years later. Flit, on the other hand, uh, there certainly is a little streak of vengeance in him because of the fact that they, they killed his mother. Mm-hmm. And interesting that there's absolutely no mention of his father. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But hmm. instead of just being some vengeful kid who's angry at the world, he's transformed that anger into a desire to want to protect people. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's used it as motivation to complete the Gundam and, and, like you said, to help protect as many people as he can so they don't have to go through what he did. So, yeah. Perhaps an overwhelming desire to protect people because he's pretty much obsessed with his work. Yeah, and, and, and they and they even see it. Like Vargas and them, he were like, you, you got to kind of gotta take a chill there, kid. <laughs> it's okay to step back every so often. Well, you, you can see he's still haunted by the memory of what happened to his mom because, you know, the way the episode opens up, you know, he, he pretty much has, still has nightmares of it on a regular basis. But so, despite um, that, he's a pretty well-adjusted kid, unlike yeah. a certain uh, angry little bastard with red eyes. Oh. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, is he's not creepy, like listening to his mom's voicemail. You know, so we don't we don't get that whole creep factor. There you go. <laughs> at least at least uh, Flit's cell phone does something. <laughs> Not that it's a cell phone, but at least it does something that's a bit more productive than just listening to his uh his sister's voicemails. Oh, oh shin. <laughs> All right, so I think that's enough for episode one. Mm-hmm. We'll move on to episode two: the power of age. Mm-hmm. The power of age. So we got the colony in trouble because one of the Gaffrons out in space fired a colony destroyer missile. Uh oh, that's right. never good. So colony's full of holes as they always are, oh, and man. it's gonna collapse in a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> of course so got, it will. You get everyone scrambling to. It's gonna collapse in six hours, but luckily we can get everybody evacuated in five and a half. <laughs> exactly. In a crazy plan that involves putting all of the civilians inside the colony's central core and have it towed out by the brand new Federation Forces battleship that just happens to be in dock. Yeah. Never seen Why that. Why doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> At least in part. Except things don't go down the same way as before because the captain of that Federation ship, the Diva, is a complete dick and doesn't want to help out and pulls the, oh, I'm not under your command, so I can ignore your orders. Nah, 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 nah. Then it gets appropriately jacked. <laughs> and, and then and then gets jacked by Jamil Mark II, a.k.a. Yeah. Grodek. <laughs> yeah, Grodek. He is. All he needs is a scar. That beard. Scar, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have the... He's not as cool yet to get the, the regular mutton chops of uh, Jamil. One of these days. One of these days. So in this episode, on the one hand, you've got all the military people trying to evacuate the civilians. You've got Flitch trying to get the Gundam to where the ship is. And, of course, he encounters a mysterious uh, young girl with strange new type premonitions who has been dubbed Tifa Mark II. Yes, indeed. Man. <laughs> Tifa Adil Jr. <laughs> Except that this Tifa can touch you and give you uh, new type premonitions, which is kind of weird. Hopefully, will be explained at some point. Yeah. And we get the debut of the Age System, which basically is a super advanced 3D printer that analyzes all of the combat data that the Age gathers and then uses that to create new weapons. And the weapon it creates is the Dots Rifle, a beam rifle that spins its bullets rather Gurren Lagan-ish yeah. to yeah. cause more damage. Got that spiral technology. <laughs> yes. And Flit uses that to successfully one-shot another Gaffron. Yep. Thus, 
the episode ends. Mm -hmm. So, Neo, what are your comments on episode two? Oh, well, I mean, it, it bad from bad to worse, man. It just keeps getting worse. I mean, and by yeah. and by worst, you mean better and better, right? Oh, exactly. No, I, um, you know, I, with some of the faults that I, I felt like in the in the first episode, some of the things that were kind of missing, this one starts off pretty well. Um, you know, you, I, I like the whole thing of the, you know, the two different militaries or the two different agencies, like having issues and, and, and Jimu and Mark II actually saying, you know what, screw you, we're going to save all these people because they could have just left them. And, you know, that whole thing of getting them all, uh, you know, saved. And then, of course, all of the uh, the weirdness with Tifa Mark II, I, I, I agree with you. I'd like to know kind of what's going on there because I don't remember hearing anything mentioned about new types possibly being in this uh episode or in the show or not so i mean maybe she is a new type who knows maybe telepath i don't know so it'd be interesting how they're going to kind of approach that topic you know and then like you said in in, in grand glorious fashion killing the first gaffron with the dots rifle there so um and i can't wait to see what other new uh violent and destructive and uh very super robotish um weapons are going to be coming out of the old printer there because uh I perhaps mean, for... a bulky boxing upgrade for the Gundam maybe or maybe a lightweight sort of like ninja upgrade I don't know I'm just guessing here but who you know. knew so, so you don't skip through the opening do you <laughs> no I don't look at any magazine scans in advance of anything not at yeah. all I've, I've never heard of anything called Spallow or Titus it mm. means nothing to me not too, but... spoilers spoilers huh but yeah i i think uh, i think for an episode two it was a good episode uh, it, you know you got a little bit more action you, you get to see a little bit more of flit and you know how he's he's kind of adjusting to his role you know the whole thing with the complete trust that he gave this girl as she came in and you know which you know basically saved his life i mean without him without her i don't know how well he would have done against uh the, the rest of the gaffrons there so as uh, uh, as as she came in and sat uncomfortably on his lap uh, yeah because <laughs> I mean, he is 14 after all so i'm sure yeah. i'm sure he's, he's thinking things that 14 year olds would think of well you never know though i mean the heat of battle it's uh well i guess maybe 14 yeah who knows but he's, he's waist deep in puberty right now poor guy and i don't know is this the episode where um uh the 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 momentous uh, thing of uh, DK is there. Oh, Emily, we got to go and get. This is not yes. safe to yes. be here. Yes. yes, you would be correct. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Solbro's man. The birth, the birth of another one of Solbro's men. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I, I anointed him. Apparently, a port, someone on the Facebook group said, uh, "Oh, I already know who Solbro's man is. We're gonna call this the Legend of Sir Gawain." <laughs> 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 Props to whoever said that because that shit was funny. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I, DK is all right with me. He, he, he's the audience uh -oh. as far as I'm concerned. He's you. Um, Basically, I, what you're saying, you're admitting to the fact that he's you. you yeah, he is I, you. He is exactly you. He has the he has the reactions that I would probably have because I, I would. Come I would on, be little, Emily. It's dangerous. We gotta get out of here. I'd be I'd be a little freaked up since my my home is about to get torn asunder. <laughs> Emily, what are you doing? We gotta get, we gotta evacuate, Emily. We shouldn't be here. It's dangerous, Emily. It says, it says only authorized people. I don't think we're authorized. We need to leave. <laughs> Did we just see something we weren't supposed to? Oh my God! All these military people are making me a little edgy. Oh, no doubt. I'm scared. Any, 
I need to go poopy in my pants. <laughs> oh, Number DK. two. I-, I got your back, DK. I got your back. How's my hat looking? Is it still over my one eye? <laughs> I'm so scared of the world, I can only bear to look at it with one eye. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Commander Bruzar. Honestly, I'm even, I'm even kind of scared of Haro. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm afraid it might bounce into me. <laughs> Cause a bruise. Maybe, maybe, maybe some skin chafing. Oh, <laughs> where's my mom? You know, it's funny though. As, as all this stuff's going down, the, the, those two kids—it's like they don't even talk about their parents, do they? I don't remember them really saying anything. Not until about, later. But, yeah. They, yeah. They well, of course, um, we know that Vargas is Emily's grandfather, but we don't know anything about right. her immediate family. But uh, <laughs> and, and any other comments on this episode, Neo? No, no. Words. Sobro. Well, um, I, what part of the round table though would uh, would DK sit at though? Because you know, <laughs> you know, King circle. Arthur, the yeah, one... Sachi would be at the head, you know. The one that's closest to the exit, so he can run away the fastest. <laughs> the at the uh, the the Cousay Buzzkirk Memorial exit. <laughs> Excuse me, Mister Crossroad, I gotta go poopy. I'll be right back. Awesome. Um, <laughs> this, this episode pretty much Kirk Memorial <laughs> yes in, in memory of uh, Kuse yeah. uh, brilliantly trying to escape from Jin Bridge death that would have not accomplished anything while everyone else stood firm against the tide and waited for Kira to save in memory, oh. of, in memory of that trail of pee he left behind in, in memory of, of a level of cowardice never before seen and actually scoffed at by a a, a sixteen year old girl going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Somehow, seed comes back into the pitch. <laughs> it always does. But um, as for episode two, I mean, for the most part, this is a transitionary episode. Um, you know, the the the, the big payoff is episode three. But um, in this episode, I, I, there's some major things that happened that I liked. Um, early on in the series, we finally get uh the boy meets the new type girl moment, and um, I definitely uh. Well, we don't know if she's a new type yet. So. Well, well, mysterious. Um, mysterious girl is, who can tell the future. Yeah. yeah. Mysteri- <laughs> mysterious gifted girl who, who's, uh, whose origins we have yet to find out uh, in urine. And uh, she, to me, is definitely Tifa Deal Jr. Not, in, not only in her, um, in her design, but her disposition. And, and, and I'm sure we learn more about her. She'll end up being different, but um, you never know. Um, it's cool to see the... She's a little bit more talkative than Tifa was at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> a lot less shy too. She was she was pretty straightforward with them, and she was like old coach, <laughs> telling them what to do. Man, visualizing the target. She almost had that little that, that a little taste of Jamil Neat in her when she was coaching him on how to deal with zero gravity battle because that was his first uh, foray into. Not only did he just get in the suit and start fighting people, but now he has to fight people in space when he gets sucked out and he's having to deal with the fact that you know. Enemies are coming at you from 360. So, which is pretty damn amusing that he gets sucked out and immediately and haplessly just crashes into a gaffron. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually that was actually pretty cool because you never really see that. Usually they're always you know they get sucked out and they're spread apart. But the fact that he gets sucked out goes right was... into the enemy. It's like damn. <laughs> It's like, man, this kid's got some shitty luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on wondering... top of that, he has to fight uh, a Zedos that moves a lot faster. Yeah, and uh, can can dodge his shots. I mean, mm-hmm. but but um, she points out the fact that it has a pattern. You know, much like his own shots were almost in a pattern too. So he just had to shift up his uh his style, and he was able to nail 
um, the enemy. So I mean, it, it was it was their their back and forth, their dynamic was really awesome, and it, 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 we got a little taste of. Well, I don't know if that well, we get to see that again in this series. I'm, I'm oh, assuming I'm we sure. will. <laughs> but um, it was cool that they actually got the ball rolling on that, like almost from jump. And uh, that was a little uh, uh, something I didn't expect in the show this early in the game. So that that that, that was nice to see. Um, I, I got to give it up to uh, my boy, uh, my boy that uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, uh Grodek, Grodek or Grudek? How do you pronounce it? Is it Grudek or Grodek? Who cares? Oh well, all right. The, the you dude say with Grudek, the beard. I say Grodek. <laughs> he he's he's so he's so young. He can't yeah. be your boy. He's too, <laughs> he's awesome. too cool. Yeah, he's he's he, Jamil he, Mark too. He's yeah. disqualified as your boy. DK is your boy. Exactly. Well, F you all. Uh, <laughs> he's young yet so grizzled. <laughs> he rolled up on that fake ass captain and um and and pretty much pretty much pulled the phaser out on him and stunned two of the dudes and 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 held that other guy from gunpoint to take over his ship. That was so cool. And then um it, it, when they got on board the uh the diva, I, I didn't realize it was gonna be as cozy as it was, man. That's a cozy ass ship, man. I love that ship. And everybody just rolled in, and then they um they got to launching the ship off, and they had to pretty much do it manually for the most part. But then when they got the ship out there, and all the pieces are in place to get all the people uh uh evacuated from the colony, and I, it was a, it was a really good episode. It went by really fast, and um sets things up nicely for episode three. So. I enjoyed it. I agree with what you guys said. It's definitely uh, a <clears throat> transitional episode, still getting the ball rolling. I did like the uh, the bits with uh, <clears throat> Grodek and uh, this stupid captain because, boy, that guy just strikes me as really heartless. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, what? Maybe I'm wrong here, but for for what point does the military exist other than to defend its territory and its own civilians? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing when you think of that and, you know, you think of, like, our military and stuff in the real world. It's like these guys would probably put down their lives. They would put down their lives to save the civilians. But this guy's like, as soon as he can get out, he's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here and, you know, screw yeah, these screw, people. Screw, screw all these civilians. I'm getting out of here with my, my battleship. Yeah. <laughs> I can't put my battleship into battle, so screw all these innocent civilians. Shades of the Tetons. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, it was a, uh, it, it was, it, I guess it goes to show that uh, right off the bat, the military is definitely not perfect in this world, and uh, we might see more elements of that throughout the series. Yeah, it also struck me, uh, as I noted in my review, as rather Makuve esque. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know the the oh well, I don't I don't report to you, so I don't have to help you, even though that's to the detriment of us all. <laughs> Where's where's my little vase? Ding. No penis vase here. Yeah. My vase, my piano, my vase oh. piano. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and of course that whole scene was witnessed by Emily and DK. So I'm sure it'll come back at some point in the future since Grodek's doing some shifty stuff, uh, going and deleting the entire crew from the Divas roster yeah. and bullshitting that he has been appointed captain of the ship by federation command which is completely not true <laughs> yeah there, there's yeah there's definitely you can tell that there's definitely something some hidden agenda with this guy and you know he just didn't happen to be at nora and happened to be there you know it seems like there's definitely some method to behind the madness of him and yeah you know. so i i don't doubt that we'll find out more about his background and that uh, perhaps decision will come back to haunt him in the near future he scares me emily dicky grodick is scary he beat up all those guys oh, let's he jumped get out on of the here, jeep and, and zapped those guys let's get out of here emily he might do that to us oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're having too much fun with that. that you kid. are. <laughs> it's going to be a long year. Oh, yeah. TK. <laughs> so, I think that's enough for that. And that brings us to episode three The Twisted Colony. Oh, my God. So, we've got more fighting, and the colony starts collapsing. They start putting into motion the crazy plan to pull out the core. But unfortunately, things go awry as the enemy attacks the base inside the colony and critically wounds Bruiser. Mm-hmm. And Bruiser you got know, a bruise. Bruiser got bruised. And <laughs> yeah. you know you know he's not long for this world when he's an old guy stumbling around leaving trails of blood. Yeah, coughing <laughs> up blood, too. Yeah. When you're an old guy in the Gundam universe, you're not long for this world. <laughs> and, and he starts having flashbacks to better days mm-hmm. with Flit. You know he's Memories. not long for this world. So he, he goes out like a bro. And uh, he he uh, he suicides himself by slamming into this obstruction that's stopping the core from being pulled out. A little pod with a bunch of missiles, and uh, yeah, he he goes out with a bang, <laughs> pretty much. And the colony escapes, and Flit survives fighting against the enemy. Well, I will avenge you, Bruiser. And of course, the just in the nick of time, they pull out the colony, and boom, it it goes up in a nice little explosion. Yes. Yep. Freaking Michael Bay worthy. Easy. <laughs> so, so Easy. Bro, comments, comments on episode three, other than uh, instigating the anger of, of Neo by mentioning the name of Sir Bane. No doubt. No doubt. Um, no, it's a very fast-paced episode. Matter of fact, uh, it, it, you can see that uh, they, they, they pretty much cut out the fat this episode with all the, uh, all the things that were going on. Um, Bruzar, you, you know he wasn't long for this world, just as you sh- said. And uh, when he made that, he, for an old guy, he's pretty spry. <laughs> yeah, he got around. He got around uh, a lot, and I should I should correct myself now before someone does on the forum. The ZS only appeared at the end of episode two. The yeah. fight happened in episode three. So yeah. don't don't jump on us just because uh-huh. I, I I forgot since everything's so closely packed together these first three episodes. Yeah, but the, the pace was very quick, uh, and, and, and just as quick as uh, Bruzar was when he booked out of the um, the base when it was getting shot at. <laughs> And he was um, he, his sacrifice. Well, was not very fast valiant. enough. Not fast no. enough, boy. He caught he, he caught a bad one. But uh, he I, I didn't th- I thought he was done for after uh, he blew up the uh, the the sections for the core so that the core could be released. But then you know he shows up at the last second in that um in that in that in that construction suit with all those missiles and it's like oh man that's that's awesome. He's going out like um he's he's trying to John McClane it. <laughs> in another universe, he, he should apply to to join the Gurren Brigade. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it came through for everybody. Or 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 uh, or three uh, G. Yeah. I, I thought that I I thought that in this episode uh, they they did a pretty smart thing, which is to have everybody get into the, the agricultural core of the colony, as opposed to having them all stuck on the ship and be on board the ship for episodes on. They kind of separated them the ship from the civilians that they were rescuing by having them. Well, it's too, the it's, there's too many civilians. The ship's not big yeah. enough. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a very I popular mean, a lot colony. Of that is, yeah, a lot of that's because of necessity. I mean, in, in comparison to Side Seven, which was, it wasn't nearly as populated as Nora was. So yeah, it made a lot of sense for them to do that, and it made a pretty tidy wrap up at the end of the episode when the backup forces came in and was able, and they were able to. Uh, take the people to safety. So I thought that was well, maybe nice. uh, maybe Gro- maybe Grodek has a uh, no war orphans allowed policy on that on the diva. Well, he's failing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that perfectly applies to Flit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But well, are you technically a war orphan? Oh, if you're 
Well, I guess you are technically one, but you wouldn't be classified as a war orphan if you're the main character. So, I mean, you get kind of you get yeah, kind of a pass. Yeah, a lot of pass. main characters are war orphans. I well, mean, of course, the Judo Uso. and the Junkyard Kids. Yeah. Uso, uh Well, Judo, he had parents. They just weren't around. Mm-hmm. Camille. Yep. Yeah. Shin. There's this plan. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, if uh, sets an accounts because he he war orphaned himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah you. <laughs> <laughs> usually, you, usually to be to qualify as a war orphan, they have to be taken from you. You don't take them from yourself. You, you don't. Yes. <laughs> it makes him ineligible. Yeah, he's not getting that. He's not getting that grant or that or financial aid. <laughs> he's not how, eligible how, for those benefits. Setsna, how did your parents die? Uh, in the war? By by who? <laughs> they were killed in like an explosion? No, I shot them. I they were war- killed by some guy called Soren Ibrahim. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah but, I never found that guy. I think he's a disciple of uh, crazy, crazy, crazy Ali. But um, just 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 to wrap up for me, um, there there was a more, of course, more more scenes of uh, of uh, Tifa Junior and uh, Flint <laughs> working together. And at the end of the episode, they introduced Big Pimpin just for a big just for a brief moment. Um, uh, one of the one of my favorite characters in the show makes a cameo appearance, and uh, we're getting more into him in the next episode but yeah um i i this episode was pretty good it, it held up the quality of the previous and i i, I dug it all right well you, you you can never uh get enough of how are you going to escape from the exploding colony or the you know the quickly depressurizing colony so um you know it's almost that's a gundam staple there were there were a couple of times there that i thought we were going to get some mother and child action but we were yeah, yeah. yeah. They, we were they, we were just teased though it's kind of like girls uh, with teddy bears and yeah i was like oh man oh mother and child. Gonna die. Yeah. oh damn it i got ozmud you know <laughs> So that was interesting. I, you know, I, I like the fact that they're, you know, they actually kind of explain the whole deal with the central core. And, you know, of course, we have the, oh, it's stuck. And, you know, Bruiser doing the last little bit of, yeah, I think, I think I, I would, um, I think he's posthumously going to become part of the Gurn uh, squad. <laughs> I, th- I think, I, th- I think he's going to receive a special commendation for that because it's, that guy would not die. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was getting shot at. Things hey, were falling his name, on is, him. his name is Bruiser, for Christ's sakes. Exactly. He's a lot tougher than Flit's mom. The, 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 the falling debris doesn't get him as badly as it did her, so she had to toughen up there. But um, Even with his flock of seagulls haircut. Hey, man. <laughs> The eighties is back for some people, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole battle with um with Urine and Flit, you know, definitely what the hell is going on with this and uh, it was you know, it was a great battle. And um, you know, like you said, that whole deal with um with Godek and the you know, there's definitely something up with him and um ending with uh, the little cameo there of um the old uh the what is it, the white wolf? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely picking up the pace from uh, um, episode two and really got me going, man, where is this going to go next? So um, and uh, that's that's about it for me. So, Chris, back to you. Well, what stuck out for me are a couple of things. One, the destruction of Nora. We've certainly seen loads and loads and loads of colonies destroyed in Gundam over the last 32 years. But I don't know, something about the way that they animated the destruction of Nora was, just made it particularly stand out to me. Yeah. You know, just the, the, whole... the level of dest- how quick it goes up and just the level yeah. of destruction, the quick flashes of places that we saw in episode one when things were peaceful. It just really worked. 
compared to other destructions like, for example, uh, once again, going back to Seed, you know, the destruction of Heliopolis, it basically looked like a Lego that came apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And everyone managed to survive getting into uh, these little lifeboats. You know, you never really got a sense of destruction when Heliopolis went up. Colony well, made by Ikea. Well, you know, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> you, you know, that's hilarious. Oh, the 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 th- the thing that makes it interesting is, you know, even in episode two, as they're showing the they're showing like the actual effects of what's happening to the colony. So yeah, I mean, you you're getting you're getting a sense of like this is how it really would be, and you know, they just didn't use it as an uh, as a backdrop for the story. They're like, you know, this was you know this this is going to be a traumatic event for these people. Let's make it you know let's kind of convey that to the watcher. So. Yeah, and you know it comes with you got in, in a very short order the death of Bruiser and then the destruction of the colony, which of course hits Flit because he's had at the exact same time his home taken away from him and his guardian taken away from him because this episode showed that yeah. Bruiser was uh, Flit's guardian and took him in after his mother died. Yeah. Yep. So that's definitely definitely a shock to anyone, especially him. So it's understandable that that he'd be crying about it, even though some uh, viewers were already bitching about the crying. It's like it's not even it's not even care level crying for Christ's sakes. What would yeah. you do if your home blows up and and your guardian, who you presumably have some kind of like attachment to and and fatherly feelings toward, uh, gets killed? Not only, not only that, but remember Zeta Gundam. Camille had a cry fit that lasted like seven minutes in that in well the third of second episode. After I noticeably after his mother died, but still, it's like it was just you know a little over dramatic in comparison to Flit, who you know only had a brief moment where he was shown you know mourning the the the, the sudden loss of his of his of his caretaker. So you know it's it's understandable that he would have a reaction in that way. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, anybody anybody that you know well, even if it's your guardian or not, if you see them die like that, it's mm-hmm. going to affect somebody. I mean, when you get it, when you get a moment when you're you know everything kind of you know every time kind of stops for you you're going to have an issue so i mean picking on something like that is pretty pretty bad and like you said too chris it is not like the waterworks that are you know from the the kiri yamato waterworks um factory yeah exactly <laughs> and i just like to say since i've been watching ds9 that bruiser died like a good klingon would <laughs> today is a good day to die today is a good day to save nora yeah, except that unfortunately, uh, Klingons, especially Worf, like to say, today is a good day to die, like, way too much, and then they don't end up dying. No, they yeah. don't. It's like, yeah, it kind of takes away from the from the bite of the line when you keep saying it, and then you don't die. Yeah, you're, you're the Klingon that cried wolf. So. Well, that's neither here nor there. Yes. Or Worf. Oh, yeah. Yuck, 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 yuck. Solvro's got him today, man. <laughs> Solvro's just hitting out the hits, man. All, all day, man. Home runs. I wish I, I wish I I wish I had that um that horn, you know that bike horn. <laughs> I, I always keep meaning to get one of those. I got to go to the bike store one of these days and just have it for the show. Every time one of us says something, <laughs> we need a soundboard of stupid sound effects like we're a radio show. <laughs> so that definitely stuck out to me. One thing that I liked seeing, and I mentioned this in the review, was Flit's inexperience catching up with him. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he got lucky in the first episode. He uh, he shanked that one Gaffrin, and in the second episode he uh, he drilled into the other one with the dots rifle. But then we see here that aside from just those few moments of quick luck, when it's a longer battle, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Well, not only Good. that, but you can see that the uh, the Gaffrins, you know, whatever they are. Uh, they they learn to adapt. Like they adapted. They're like, okay, this guy did this to our friends. 
Um, we're just not going to be dumbasses and go in like, you know, um, you know, uh, typical Xeon mobile suit pilot. Woo! You know? Yeah. And, and while that Dots rifle worked well enough on that first Gaffron, when the yeah. Zetas shows up, that's a whole other story. This, this oh, thing yeah. is basically like flying circles around Flit, almost toying with him. And even when he gets a shot that almost lands, it just grazes. Yeah. It just totally plays with him. And you got to wonder, though, what's up when he's out of power and he spreads his arms to stop it, yeah. which should result in him being killed instantly, but instead <laughs> it goes away. Yeah, and, and, and once again, it brings up, you know, it's just like the whole thing with Grodek, it, it brings up all these questions of, like, what the hell is up with this? You know, do they, and it, I, I think it kind of lends to the, the to the theory that these are not going to be, like, your typical space aliens. If these are your typical aliens from space, they would have just ripped them apart. So, it, yeah. And you know, why getting, is it that the UE went inside the colony to attack Bruiser as if they almost knew exactly what that, he was trying to do yeah. and were trying to stop him? Yeah. Well, you know, what kind of level of information do they have? Exactly. Well, it makes me wonder the well, what they scanning stuff for too. That's the other thing. They're well, scanning stuff and then they were blowing it up and really Which also weird. goes back to the first episode because in the first episode yeah. at the beginning we see a uh, a Gaffron scan young Flit and then it doesn't kill him. Yeah. Like, why why isn't he dead? What's going on here? There's a lot of a lot of mysteries that are being thrown out so far. Which is a nice change rather than everything just being out in the open for you yeah. and obvious, even though some things in this show are pretty obvious. Well do you guys think that um maybe the reason why uh, that alien didn't rip uh <laughs> rip Flit apart when he uh when he when he motioned for them for the alien to stop um is because uh, urine was inside the, the mobile suit with him. Maybe she had some kind of influence. I mean, it, it could um, be anything. I yeah, mean, that, I mean that, that could be it. It could be, you know, who knows? I mean, I, you know, the, the, the Chris's theory of, you know, possibly, you know, possibly being where's his dad and maybe his dad's involved. I mean, you know, you there's just a lot of things know. we don't know. And yeah. there's rumors that I don't want to get into about the oh, UE being robots from the future. And, you know, we'll, that's a whole distraction right now because we don't know if it's true or just made up. But there are definitely a lot of things that, that make yeah, that, you... was, that was from a disgruntled employee, man. So you know it's true. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly disgruntled employee. So you know that's that's fact right there. Print it. <laughs> Print it. Print it. Yes. One page. So we'll have to see what happens with these things. But I definitely liked seeing that Flit wasn't an instant ace and that yeah. he was screwing up. You know, he was just wildly shooting. He wasn't concentrating. You know, he was letting this this one Zetas thing just toy with him and run circles around him. And it definitely showed that, you know, he is a 14-year-old kid. He's inexperienced. Yeah. You can see he would have probably been done for if it wasn't for Urine's uh, assistance, basically. If um, even never ran across her, he probably wouldn't have survived <laughs> any of that. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. All right, so that brings us to the last episode of this little roundup here, The White Wolf. So this episode introduces us to Wolf Eniakle, a jerk ace pilot who wants the Gundam and challenges Flit to a paintball fight to get it. Mm -hmm. And while they're paintball fighting, a Gaffron shows up and attacks them, so they're trying to fight it off. And then suddenly a ginormous battleship shows up with even more Gaffrons, yeah. and they have to hide from it. The end. <laughs> Well, it was reminiscent. It reminded me of a double eighty three a little bit with there, but you know, with um, you know, we're, I'm gonna get you know, I'm, I'm gonna the get jerk, the, and I want, I want yeah. the gun to you, stupid kid. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Fight. Exactly. You know, without without the bad mustaches and. <laughs> This deja vu there, uh, easily. Uh, um, uh, we could see that Flit is no uh, co, but who is? <laughs> 
Well, the flit eats his carrots, though. Don't insult what me. What about DK? Oh. Does DK eat his carrots? Oh, Lord. Oh, oh I don't like the way carrots taste. I don't like the way they look, and they're orange. You know, it's not my favorite color. Oh. Mushy, oh. Mom, can't we have corn? Oh. Corn's not good for you, young DK. You need to be able to see. You only have one eye. Oh, come on. Can't we have space corn? Oh. <laughs> but... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is gonna be a long. It's gonna be a long season with Gundam Age, isn't it? No, no kidding. Until oh, DK yeah. dies. Oh, why are you gonna say stuff like this? Oh, you're so scary, soul bro. You're like Grodick. Oh. Hopefully, Emily. Hopefully, hopefully he, he doesn't won't still die. be that way when we get to middle generation and he's like a middle-aged or old man. Well, he'll be, he'll be like uh, the great crossroad was in season two. Uh, Just... hey, are we gonna get, hey, guys, we're going to get out of here. It's dangerous. Hey, hey, Flit. Hey, what are you doing? That kid of yours is running around in the Gundam. You know what'll happen to DK? It'll be like uh, it'll be like what happened to people in middle school and high school. Like you go away for the summer, and then all of a sudden somebody grows and matures, and it's like next thing you know, he's like some dashing guy. He's like, "Hi, who are you? I'm DK. DK, you have two eyes now. I know." And then <laughs> okay, Emily... so yeah, sorry, Neo, yeah, back on back on point. Your your thoughts on episode four? You know, just uh, a great. Uh, break up from you know we 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 um escaped everybody's safe and you know it makes sense you know this guy is their ace pilot and you know he's in this regenerative tube it comes out and he's you know ultimately thinking that this mobile suit is going to be with his and he's going to react like anybody is why the hell is this little kid wanting this mobile suit you know not realizing what's going on and um you know and then of course we see that they're able to uh work together and um you know escape everything so but uh you know and then we have a little bit more questions about what the hell is going on with uh, the ue and uh, definitely looks like they are a force to be reckoned with because uh between that battleship and you know the amount of forces that they have, they're definitely looking to do some trouble. And you could you could definitely prepare to make it double. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Sorry. Oh my lord. <laughs> Gaffrin. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know it's it's the precursor to now the uh, the space chase, which is going to be happening. We're gonna we'll probably have the few episodes of the diva getting chased through space by um, the alien race. <laughs> but um no a good episode and you know as, as much of an ass as wolf is he's great he's he's such a magnificent asshole that um you know you just can't help but like him and uh so that's that's it there so so bro well um yes um i, I gotta agree uh the white wolf is a great character um of course uh at the end of episode three he's waking up like this is apocalypse now saying he smell he loves to smell the battle in the morning <laughs> <laughs> he he goes he, I, don't, he I, I don't know how you can smell anything through right recycled air in space you know? especially, especially when you're waking up from ripley sleep yeah. <laughs> he goes in the shower puts on his liz claiborne Steps out like nothing had happened. Completely missed the battle, and he's just got this um, he's got this disposition where you know it, 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 he's hitting on ladies, and it, it, he's just he's just that oddball character. I'm glad it's in the show because um, 
you know, he comes out quite dickish in the beginning. And I, I guess because of his experience, he rightfully wants the Gundam. He even goes to the captain and then the well, captain he's, says, he's the sure. Ace. He's, he's he the is, ace. He yeah. is the ace. He's, he is the qualified guy. So you almost think that, uh, that Flit's going to lose his suit, but then they have this little challenge and Flit shows off more potential. And then, uh, things go terribly wrong when they, I challenge you up. to a duel. <laughs> With it's paintballs. There's some parallels to um, episode four of Mobile Suit Gundam 2 in this when they uh, come across the enemy and they um, they they hide from the enemy and the enemy yeah. is, is, is kind of in, in an area where they can't see properly without doing reconnaissance. And uh, I, I like that parallel. Um, I, I do like the fact that uh, the White Wolf, he, 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 you know, shifts gears. It takes takes Flit's gun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and does one of the greatest distractions distraction techniques that he could possibly do and gets him the gets him the hell out of there and i i thought that was a really slick thing um for the most part this episode was a whole lot of fun and it could have gone bad really quick but uh instead it was it was a well-paced episode and you learned a little bit about the enemy and you get a little bit of a uh, foreshadowing that uh that grodek he knows who, what the enemy is now yeah. So um, I I I I can't wait to see what that revelation's going. Or to be. or he's he's got a theory or something like yeah. that. Yeah. He knows more than he's 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 putting on. And that that dude's mysterious on his own. So you kind of yeah. want to know how does he know this? What's his deal in the first place? And um, it kind of gives you it makes it brings you more questions than answers. But that that's to be expected this early. So in what, the show. so what do you think? You think um, what episode does the White Wolf die in? Oh yeah, he's definitely the big brother character in the yeah, show. He's he's he's. He's doomed. He, he will be tasting pineapple salad before this <laughs> before this generation is over, and that's my prediction anyway. But um, I, I just can't wait to see more of his antics, and um, I'd I'd say maybe you think season one cliffhanger or uh... I, I'd say the second act of this generation he bites it, but we'll find out. But um, I, I like this episode. It's my favorite of the four, and um, that's my thoughts on that. Well, it definitely broke things up compared to 0083 by not having the whole episode focus on the paintball match. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I know. Well, don't crazy. remind me. <laughs> Wolf, uh, you know, who for some people, I'm sure his nickname is Heresy because to them the white wolf is Shin Matsunaga. Yes. Yeah. And there actually has been, not surprisingly, some complaints about that. But whatever. That's some guy from MSV. He never even showed up in anything, so he doesn't count. Just video games. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's interesting, the background of Wolf, that he is revealed to have been an ace civilian pilot. And once he got to the top of the civilian mobile suit racing world, and there's nothing left to do, he decided to join the military. Yeah, yeah mobile suit Grand Prix. <laughs> and it's funny because his background is racing, much like um, Kai's was. Although, you know, Kai was a coward at the beginning, but uh, this guy's, you know, big, just awesome from day one. <laughs> and he, uh, he has the arrogance of Patrick... But unlike Patrick, he has the skills to match to be able to do more than just continually survive. Yes, indeed. Hey, that's a, some, say would, some would say that's a skill in itself. <laughs> it, it is, but he seems to have more than just that. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yes. see if he's got that, that skill to survive, too. That'll be interesting. And definitely, you know, he does. He is a jerk. Um, <laughs> he comes off as pretty sleazy. I was amused when he when he uh, ignored everyone else and tried to hit on on Malays. Malays, yeah. yeah. Who who is the designated uh, bridge bunny and and quite a nice one at that. And he he's absolutely a jerk, but I think you can tell that he's trying too hard to be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. And underneath it he's probably some kind of like vulnerable nice guy or something with some kind of like tragic background and he acts like a jerk to keep people away, et cetera, et cetera. We've, we've seen this before. Yeah, that'll probably be 
he even admits like you know when he's in trouble after getting one of his legs blown off and he's surrounded by all of these gaffers like oh maybe I tried to pull the cool guy act a little too far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Things didn't play out well for Fancy Boy Roy. But but then he immediately recovered by stealing the dots rifle from Flynn and be like, let me show you how it's done, son. son. <laughs> I also like this episode continued this uh, theme of showing Flit developing his skills as a pilot because he kind of sucks even worse in this episode than he did in the previous one. Yeah, it's, somehow the learning curve is not really there yet. So. I mean, he's, he's all over the place trying to, uh, yeah. to hit Wolf and he only gets better when Vargas you know, is like, hey, you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta watch his movements. And then he yeah. remembers what happened with Urin. Yep. But um, then when all of those Gaffrens show up in this huge battleship, he... I just love this moment when he just like completely panics and just like screams out and starts trying to uh, to kill that Gaffron, but Wolf keeps stopping him because he's not seeing the big picture. He's not thinking about anything beyond his most immediate surroundings. Yeah, which of course is a critical error that can get you killed. Pretty much. Yeah, the amount of times that Wolf had to freaking tackle his ass. Yeah, he had to stop <laughs> this kid twice. Yep. From trying to get a kill, which would have looked cool, mm-hmm. probably would have gotten him killed by all of these other forces. Yeah, giving away the position and all of that. So it is interesting to learn that uh, the UE have such huge ships that have stealth technology that allows them to evade detection. And, you know, we've certainly got a provocative ending for the episode with uh, Grodek triumphantly proclaiming that he's figured out what they are. And yeah. I hope the next episode doesn't forget to tell us. What he what assumes, what he assumes, because yeah. that'd be that'd be a dick thing to do. <laughs> it'd be a destiny thing to do. It, it would, but we're looking at you, Lafaga family. <laughs> so, just to wrap up, uh, overall thoughts on Age up to episode four, Neo. Um, it's uh, the worst, most childish Gundam I've ever seen. And by that you mean best, most adult Gundam you've ever seen. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And how did you like? Um, how did you like, uh, you know, Haro now comes with a uh, a jump drive outlet. He's nice. USB 2, or space USB. He's a, he's a laptop of awesome. Yeah, but no, um, back to age. Yeah, I, you know, it was a little slow in the beginning, first episode, some issues. But you know what? None of these shows are perfect, and there's always, if you're going to nitpick, there's always some things. Um, I'm entertained. Um, I definitely think, I, I like some of the things that they're doing, this, this whole thing with Grodek. Um, you know, what is his deal, uh, is, is cool. The, the mysterious enemy is a nice change of pace. And the fact that we've seen that, um, you know, uh, Flit is not remarkably becoming more skillful each episode. The fact that he actually did kind of regress a little bit in, in episode four shows that, you know, this isn't just, you know, the quick genius kid, uh, when it comes to battle tactics and, and piloting skills. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, so far I'm I'm entertained. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. Um, I just really kind of want to see where they go and uh, just go from there. And and this will be the worst show until the next show comes out because then then this will, then this will become a classic. So, but that's it for me. So, bro, I'm, I'm so far I'm loving it. Um, I don't know exactly how far this generation of um, of the story is going to go. So that that actually has me um, wondering uh, exactly how many episodes this. Uh, 
this story will, will run and how fast the pace will be in order to uh, to get all these story elements in. And, and it's going to be interesting to see um, everything that's established in this series, how it transitions on to the next. So I'm, I'm looking at the show almost with, with two perspectives, the, the long the long run and what's instantly going on now. So I, I, I can't wait to see how things unfold. Flit as a character, I, I, I like to see that he's, I, I do see that he's developing and, um, and I, I, it's going to be interesting seeing him grow and become a badass pilot if that does happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see where he and his uh, Mega Man normal suit take us. But uh, I, I dig the show. Can't, I, I, can't just can't stop yourself from talking about something Capcom. Capcom, yeah, Capcom reference, huh? You're welcome. Does, does, does <laughs> Seth Killian pay you for Capcom reference in, in per show? In shekels, you got it. <laughs> if only he did. He cut, he pays him in color and free color palettes, Chris. There you, there you go, and costume. Sweet DLC, yes. baby. Out my pocket. Anyway, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was it's, it's a great, it's a great run so far, and I, I can't wait to watch more. All right. Well, I have to say, for a, a series that's doing sort of the standard beginnings with some differences thrown in, at this point, four episodes in, it's catching my attention more than C did yeah. four episodes in about a 10, 10 years ago. So that's that's something. You know, the different character designs, they don't bother me. They kind of have a sort of retro Matsumoto-ish look to them which is interesting given our next topic it's whimsical but it works and there's a lot there's a lot of different variations with the characters in this and they don't all have same too. face syndrome yeah, yeah. They, they all don't suffer from hirai disease Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're never to confuse uh dk for for flit because no, no, i'm not gonna go into the gun this gun scares me emily emily Sorry. This really is going to be a long year. One more for the road. You know, I wonder, given that the pace this is going, you know, this is already sort of going the pace as if this story was going to last 50 episodes, and we don't know how long this is going to last. Assuming that the whole show only lasts 50 episodes, that means yeah. that on average we're going to have maybe 16 to 17 episodes per generation. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if we're going to see the story start speeding up from this point, or if we're just going to have massive narrative jumps. So that, that's something we're just going to have to watch for. And it's got my attention. You know, I, I reserve judgment, as I stated in the first time we talked about this. And it paid off because I'm not raging about it like some idiot fanboy. And it's not perfect. And it could turn out to be crappy. And they may not be able to carry out this gimmick of the three generations. But so far, it's got my attention. And I want to see more. It's it's not a chore to watch it. I mean, you know, obviously, I'd be watching it anyway because I have to review it and talk about it right now. But it doesn't feel a chore to watch watch like seed and destiny did at times yeah yeah and hopefully it keeps that pace up uh if we have the same enjoyable experience we had when watching double o when watching this show that's that's the least that i can ask for and that uh wraps up this uh opening segment discussing the first four episodes of gundam age we'll be doing it in batches like this in the future i'm, I'm sure with uh a lot more dk either for good or for ill oh. and and let the rage begin after this so I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure this will add some pages to the I hate Gundam thread on the M boards. So keep it coming. Yeah. So. Quiet, black guy. You're too charismatic. Oh boy. Well, that wraps up this segment. We'll be right back in a bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my Gundam money, you bum? Well, we, 
I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is here. Nothing is No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs. And also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should too. And just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast? Bulma, brief, from Dragon Ball Z, is such a tease. Anime. You're going to go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not going to let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it, and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old. The man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All i got to say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. God damn it! Look, people, this is chaos! This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back to the show that's blazing hotter than the Bernier. That's right, Gundam at MAHQ. And uh, in this segment, we're finally going to review a live-action rendition. You know, that's one of our favorite topics here on Gundam is live-action renditions of animes and mangas. You know, we, we all here love that topic. Boy, 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 do we. Can't, can't wait for that Mobile Suit Gundam. Woohoo, man. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be awesome. But um, the movie that we're talking about in particular is a um, 20, 2010 film. Uh, it is a space battleship Yamato. And um, you might remember we had a guest on a few a few episodes back where we uh, talked about his involvement with the uh, Star Blazers franchise. Of course, Star Blazers is based upon space battleship Yamato. And we talked about this film just a little bit. And at that time, it just probably came out on um, Blu-ray or DVD in Japan. But um, in uh, this movie, it uh, opens up basically at a major battle happening uh, right outside of Mars with the Earth's uh, space fleet. 
and they're fighting up against an unknown enemy called the Gamilas, and they're getting decimated. Unknown enemy? That's that's uh, that's the last segment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, a known enemy called Gamilas. They're, they're shrouded in some kind of mystery, but um, this enemy pretty much has been bombarding Earth for the last five years with nuclear attacks and radiating the planet, and they're trying to stop their latest onslaught. And there at the, the helm of his ship is uh, Captain Okita, along with his crew. They're pretty much... A, against the wall as their fleet is getting decimated and um in a dis effort to survive another ship's uh captain uh mamuro kodai he's the captain of the yukikaze he uh decides to cover uh captain juzo's uh okita's escape and um in turn he become his ship becomes uh another another ship destroyed as uh captain okita makes a break for earth in his ship and his crew and um on earth we see that uh susumu kodai who's the younger brother of uh the dearly departed Mamoru Kodai. He's uh he's living on Earth uh, underground as everybody else is because the Earth is so radiated, uh, and he's just scavenging all sorts of uh, technology and trinkets and and things to just make a meager living surviving on planet Earth. And uh, when he goes out to scavenge, a, a artifact from space crash lands near him, and it turns out to be a message from an alien race from a far part of the galaxy, or outside of our galaxy anyway. Captain Okita's ship arrives, and they not only uh, capture him and the artifact, but um, they they find out that there's a chance that there might be uh, a radiation scrubber that they can uh, acquire from a, a distant planet called Iskandar because of the blueprints and um, information that's on this alien artifact that crash-landed on Earth near um, Kodai. Uh, Kodai has it off with Captain Okita and blames him for the, uh, the death of his brother, not knowing that his brother valiantly sacrificed himself. And um, gets put in his place by another character, Yuki Mori, who's an ace pilot on board uh, Okita's ship. Uh, to make a long story short, uh, the military <laughs> is building a new ship called the Yamato. Yeah, I thought you were, thought you were getting possessed <laughs> by Peter there for a second. <laughs> to make a long story short, um, Captain Okita is given a, uh, a, new, a new ship that the military is building called the Yamato. And um, they ask for volunteers to go on this uh, suicide mission to Iskandar to get the technology that may help to save Earth and win the day against Gamilas. And uh, throughout the movie, there's uh, alien possession and all sorts of uh, space battles reminiscent to Battlestar Galactica and also um, a run-and-gun shootout in the hive of the enemy. All sorts of awesome action. And then uh, the, the movie gives us a fourth act where all sorts of craziness also unfold. But uh, we'll get into the details of that as we uh, talk about the movie. I'll pass the mic to Chris to give his uh, well, how he enjoyed the movie. Well, I don't know. It looks kind of uh, dangerous to go out into space and fight aliens. I'm going to stay on my colony. Oh, my God. D- DK, DK was in this movie, too? What? <laughs> yeah, he was, he, was, he was in the underground city there. He didn't instantly, see him. Instantly, okay. my boy. That, that's, it, that, that's it for me with DK in this episode. I just All had right. to throw it out one last time. but you had to get out your system. Go yeah, ahead. I just get out of my system. So, <sighs> Go ahead. Definitely whoever worked in this movie watched Bowser Galactica. Lots and lots and lots of Battlestar Galactica. Why do you say that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, because everything looks kind of like yeah, Battlestar Galactica. Oh my God! From the camera shots to the to the special effects to the direction, the sets <laughs> to to even straight lifting of events from Battlestar Galactica. This, <laughs> you're not kidding. What is well, it? Imitation's the best form of flattery. So, yeah. The th- the, the thing that struck me about this movie is we all know that. Like, Japanese sci-fi movies have a reputation for being low budget, mm-hmm. not necessarily having the best actors, not necessarily having the best set design and production values. 
But this movie looks like it could have come from an American studio. Yes. And what I find so surprising is, as good as this movie looks, it was made for only $24 million. That that amazes me. Yeah. Which really makes me wonder, why why the hell do we spend like $100, $150 million, $200 million making movies that, one, are horrible just in terms of story and action and whatnot, and two, don't even look that good for having cost that much? I mean... I know actor salaries are massively inflated, but damn, when you hear talk of a uh, Lone Ranger movie at Disney with Johnny Depp ballooning up to almost $250 million, you wonder how the hell could some cowboy movie cost $250 million? It's a Western. Yeah. And then Japan can pull out a sci-fi epic like this live-action Yamato for $24 million. It's it's the million dollar question, man. Really, it really Literally. is. More like the two hundred fifty I mean, million dollar question. It, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it, a lot of people in Hollywood are getting paid, uh, getting or being overpaid. As well, no, he said to, uh, he said that, but yeah. the, but taking that even outside of the fact, I mean, okay, maybe Johnny Depp's getting forty million dollars or fifty million dollars. Where's the other two hundred yeah, coming from? Where's the from? other two hundred coming from for a yeah. movie that's going to be shot in the West, outside, <laughs> no no space? Yeah. And, so, and, and and they and they have they have those towns. I mean, if you go to like Tucson and stuff, they have those old those towns still set up. Those ghost towns, you know. So you can I don't know, but that's back yeah. to Yamato. But but definitely Yamato looks as good as a Hollywood movie that cost two to three times what it cost. And yeah. you know, some Americans can make uh, good movies that are cheap. You know, Serenity only cost something like forty or forty five million. Holds up very well. Yeah, it holds up very well compared to. You know, big budget sci-fi movies like, say, uh, you know, Episode Three, yeah. or Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, doesn't hold so well. No. So that definitely struck me. The whole movie, I just could not stop thinking to myself, like, how good this movie looks for how little it cost compared to American budgeting for big blockbusters, and how off the deep end Hollywood has gone when it t- comes to uh, making movies. I have not seen all of the original Yamato. I've only seen the first five or six episodes, but I know the basics of the story enough to know that even though there definitely are changes in this movie, because of course yeah. it's, you know, like a, what, two and a half hour movie? Yeah, I suppose. Or, yeah, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of changes. It does have all of the basics in place of the Yamato story. Yeah, you got keep... all of your characters. Yeah, it's all recognizable. And, you know, there's, yeah, there's deviations, but not to the effect where it's going to really make it, you know, it doesn't take away from the overall story. So. Yeah. You've got you got Kodai, you've got Yuki, you've got Okita, the grizzled veteran captain. You got all of the the important elements. You got Gamilas, you got Dessler, you know, the the one year race against time. Mm-hmm. Devastated Earth. All of those elements are in place and you know, they they really do make for an enjoyable movie that certainly could have been a series of movies because there's a lot that happens in just yeah. the runtime of this movie. Almost too much because by the end, the movie kind of suffers from Return of the King-itis. Where it's yeah. like three or four endings. Like, you think maybe it's going to end on Iskander. No. Yeah. Then they get back yeah. to Earth and it's like, yay! Earth no. And then it's like, no, I am Dessler and I'm going to take you down with me. Ha ha ha. And then, you know, Kodai has to comic The longest, the longest goodbye ever. No kidding. Like, all that stuff is going down. Dessler's doing that stuff. He's opening up, going to destroy the freaking, uh, the earth. And the, the whole thing with, um, with Kodai and, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the bridge of the Yamato, it took 15 minutes. I'm like, wait, why even bother now? The earth's probably gone. <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's compressed time, kind of like the 
five minutes until Namek explodes that took like ten episodes to play out. Exactly. Namek time. I mean, it's just that that's that is one of my big one of my big beefs so is the fact of it just that just took a little too long. There, there was really no sense of they were going more for the emotion than going for the sense of urgency that you would that, you know, but which would generate uh, emotion. I mean, sometimes the best things are those senses of urgency within movies. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they were going for the, the tug at the heartstrings. Oh, you know, Yuki, you know, and all this. It's but. It was Sorry. crazy, crazy melodramatic for certain. Yeah, it was. It was a little, but it's the Japanese, and I, I would only expect that from them. They're they're not drama king, queens or anything, are they? So. And uh, you know, when I when I saw the Yamato go down triumphantly, it's like, well, I, I guess there goes the sequel. Yeah, that was the same thing I said. <laughs> this is just a one shot, huh? <laughs> the the next movie will only be a prequel. <laughs> a prequel to the prequel. <laughs> Yeah, so that 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 was a that was a little little bit of an annoyance, but not anything that impacted my enjoyment of the movie because it really is kind of seated seated your pants a lot of times. Some of these tense battles, like the the chasing battle on uh, on Gamulus when they're trying to get to the Iskander. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and they're totally outnumbered. Yeah, dudes getting downed. Yeah. You know, the question of where do they even know where the hell they're going? Are they going to make it? Can they make it? How are they going to get out of this? You know, that's really fast pace. And then after that, you got this very slow, long thing, like you mentioned, of Kodai's goodbye. Yeah. That whole scene when they do the whole um, the ship drop into Gamelus, that, that was cool. Like, that was really well done where they're showing the aerial battle and everything. I was like, wow, this is, yeah. you know, once again, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, how are the Japanese doing this and Hollywood can't do something like this? <laughs> You know. you know, and also, I was the whole time I was watching this movie, I was thinking to myself, man, the Japanese could pull out for this amount of money a production that looks like this. I kind of wouldn't mind a live action Macross or Gundam now if it could look like this. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it does. It does change your opinion on that a little bit because it I mean, because, you, you know, you know, especially with Gundam, they could probably get more money for the budget. So. Or, or Macross. I mean, just, just think yeah. of this movie. I mean, obviously, Macross took a lot of inspiration from Yamato. Just cut and paste those fighters for Valkyries and paste the Macross in for the Yamato. It's it's a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It is, and um, it just it, it goes to show that uh, I know, just just with the right with the right team behind it and the money going into the right places, the movie can look really good. And um, like you said, I, I I honestly think they 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 can they can attempt to do something like this now. And it, 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 this movie is a testament how far along the Japanese. We're not saying we're, we still want it, but yeah. it it could happen. Like, uh, let me clearly state, I still. <laughs> don't really want this but if it if it would turn out something like this i'd watch it yeah (laughs) my position is that way (laughs) i I wouldn't have g savior level revulsion yeah because because in in all reality let's look at it there's really no skimp on any way of the look i mean the the cg scenes with the yamato it looks perfect i mean it looks amazing the you know the, the the things with all the dials and the uniforms and everything nothing looks like it's on the cheap I mean, it, it all looks like functional, you know, uniforms, especially when, you know, with the Space Marines and stuff. I mean, those were, I mean, granted, that stuff, you can get that anywhere, but, you know, it's it just doesn't look like what you would expect it to be. Hey, at least they didn't use anything from Starship Troopers. Those are on loan for some sci-fi movie being done that week, you know. <laughs> uh, attack of the... Uh... 
of the uh, Stegocrocosaurus. Yeah, whatever, whatever the yeah, whatever dactyl. <laughs> dactyl. Whatever, whatever prehistoric mutation they're they're dealing with this year in the, on the sci-fi bad movie of the week. So attack of the Tyrannoraptorsaurus, co-starring Mega Shark. Well, go ahead, Chris. Continue. Another thing uh, that uh, co-starring the dad just... from Family Ties. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Another thing that uh, they got my attention around the production is the uniforms. Yeah. You know, the uniforms are based on the old early seventies designs and managed yeah. to not look cheesy and out of place. Yeah, they don't look jumpsuity as you would you you uh, as the um as the seventies designs do. Well, not only that, but they just don't look they they don't look dated and they don't and they look functional. They've That's been modernized. Like, yeah, yeah the, the functional and modernized for certain. I mean, o- Okita's got the the cool ass captain uniform. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, really? You, you know that 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 just. That, you know, it looked awesome. I mean, I'm like, I want that to wear every day to work. Even look more grizzled than he normally yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, you know, I saw the trailers. I was expecting good things. But, you know, on the on the same hand, the other hand, I was thinking, well, you know, it's a Japanese live action movie, an anime. Who knows how it'll turn out? So I was cautiously optimistic going into it. And I definitely enjoyed it very much coming out of it. And I would highly recommend it to anyone. Whether or not you've seen yeah. Yamato before or know anything about it, you can jump into this movie. And I think... I think this is one of those things where if you haven't seen Yamato before, watching this movie will pique your interest in actually watching the anime and, you know, and, and, and doing that because there is there is kind of a, a whole bunch of what ifs in there, you know, and, and you can tell there's some things that are a little bit more deeper in that universe. So any any other thoughts on the movie at all, Chris? I wish there was more, but obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> what would, uh, the, end, the end's kind of final. What was uh, what was what was Drunk Holtz? Drunk Hulk's take on that movie, Chris? Drunk Hulk? I don't know. He's probably he's probably confused by all the Japanese. Oh, don't understand this. <laughs> Drunk Hulk hates subtitles. <laughs> Drunk if Drunk Hulk won't read book, Drunk Hulk go library. <laughs> I was just wondering because I know why I know you... why why movie no have one ending. <laughs> Drunk Hulk have to go bathroom since middle of movie <laughs> <laughs> but all right neo and uh what were your thoughts on the movie you know i was in the same light of chris is um i was cautiously optimistic after sealing the trailer and you know it does you know like it stated earlier it does make you kind of wonder what more they could do with some of these other stories i mean they have the plethora of anime stories and if they're going to kind of turn out like this then i don't really have a problem with that maybe 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 Jap- uh, japan should be making all these uh, live action adaptations as opposed to the united states because <laughs> it, it, it probably would have been very horrible if it was a u.s production well, you don't, don't want to see akira with uh, tron guy and kira knightley <laughs> no <laughs> that would be a nightmare. Set, set in New York City. <laughs> yeah, in in, uh, in in you know Neo New York, mega <laughs> mega New York. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not. But you know, in addition to like the costumes and everything, I think the casting was done pretty well too. Because not only did most of the people visually um, remind you of the actual characters, but you know they're they were able to pull off the you know. Um, the, the personalities of those characters. I mean, Okita, the old grizzled, you know, war captain and stuff, and Kodai, you know, the, the hothead that's, you know, kind of pissed off because his, he's thinking his brother got killed because of uh, Okita's negligence or cowardness and things like that. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't really say too much more. I mean, that hasn't already been said. I mean, it, it's, it's, 
you know, I was, it was a good movie. And I think that anybody out there, you know, if you're interested, definitely check it out. Even if not, I mean, um, I don't think I do have one thing to add though. Mm. Oh yeah, by Um, all means. Kodai's slow journey from being a, uh, a jerk who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about mm-hmm. and, and blindly hating Okita to then being put in Okita's position and completely understanding everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, now he's like, he basically has like an, like an oh moment, like, oh, now I get it. It's a bit yeah. of a leap. Yeah. You know, when he finally understands what the burden of command is, you know, and sees that he was just as stupid wrong as he could have been. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 that's that's pretty much the transitionary point for his character. Um, although it's 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 hammered in there because of the um, the event that plays out. Um, yeah, it, it, if anything, it wasn't as smooth as it could have been, and and it might be because it's adapted into a film, so that the, there's a lot less time for that for that development to play out. But yeah, it's 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 still a little jarring to say the least. I do agree with you, Chris. It would have been cool to see this in like a multiple movie format like it, it you know but i guess too sometimes when when you do that you run the risk of being a little over you know overdrawn you know you can get Peter Plus, Jackson i'm sure there was, there was a risk here they didn't know yeah. you know if this movie was going to be successful or not d- despite its pedigree yeah they probably thought okay we'll get the we'll get the hardcore fan within the first week or so but is it going to have any staying power or anything like that and you know even though 23 24 million dollars doesn't sound like a lot to recoup on the american market and the japanese market it's you know much more because they have a lot less people <laughs> and a lot so, less theaters to to, to, yeah. to to put the movie in so yeah they, they uh, well i don't I, well i mean the, the fact that really is just going to be the the population i mean there's 310 million people in the united states what's what's in japan maybe what 50 million if that no, it's i don't more know than that. it's uh, it's like 150 million at least so we're double their size so i mean that's still you know I, that's something i would like to know is what kind of gross this movie made but um there's nothing here that I can see how much it made, but um, I, I know that uh, I, I, I it I made twenty four million and one dollars. Nice, so it was nice. a success. Profit, baby. Profit. It was a success. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know my um, I, I, I just watched the movie recently, and uh, I, I, I thought for the most part it was very enjoyable. I think that the ending shouldn't have been as finite as it was. Um, it, it was good enough so that it could actually lead on to a sequel and who knows we may see a follow up to this film that may have a newer generation or something like that where it's an original story not but, with the um, Amato not with the Amato <laughs> well, unless they make if, a new one <laughs> if anything uh, we know from from past Matsumoto works that he's n- he's not shy at all about doing 20 different like takes Versions. of yeah. the oh, same yeah. characters and story and not try to make them all fit together so yeah, that is that is very true. So uh, that, I I I won't I won't say it's that it, as finite as the ending might make it, but um, at least in this it. incarnation, at least in this yeah. incarnation. But I mean, it, it it puts it does put an exclamation mark on the end of the film with the way it ends. Uh, I, I will say that the movie it it feels a little bit long because you reach that apex in at at you reach the apex or the uh the the climax that you think is the climax uh, about an hour forty five minutes in. Where uh, you see the the big the big raid into the the hive of the enemy and um, everybody's rushing down um, to to get to Iskandar and all sorts of things happen and mad characters die off and um, you, you know you're exhausted at that point and you still got and it keeps going you still got thirty minutes left <laughs> and things and things calm down you know it goes into its its cool off phase where you know the day is saved and they're heading back home and then there's one last twist of the knife and that's where um they go into the Namekian time zone. 
<laughs> as as Neil pointed out, and they yeah. spent a lot of time saying goodbyes, and uh, that was a little bit annoying for me too. I, I've got to say yeah, that 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 could have could been it, five it, minutes. It could have been. It's not that it's bad. It just could have been condensed a little bit more. And I mean, I understand the emotion that they were trying to trying to convey, but you can oh, yeah. still convey that motion with a sense of urgency going on too. I mean, hell, your planet's about to get blown up, and you know, it's a, almost a little selfish that you guys would take that long to you know say goodbye <laughs> yeah. but but for the most part that's my biggest complaint about the film and it doesn't really ruin my enjoyment of the film for the long run um i i love the fact that they 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 thought of when they when they planned this movie out that they used battlestar galactica the reboot as a template for how they wanted the movie to look and feel and i thought that if out of all the examples that was the way to go i know that when they made star trek in 2009 battlestar galactica was a huge influence on that too and there's parts of this movie that remind me of uh the 09 star trek as well but for the most part most of this movie resembles bsg when it comes to the 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 dog fights in space where they're piloting their ships and you know the way the cameras focusing on the ships and the cockpit shots and all that fun stuff it's it's all taking a note from bsg when the ship's getting rocked by missile fire and everybody's bending and, and twisting you know the origins of that are from star trek but they were revolutionized by bsg and um you even have the adama maneuver in this film and i wanted to know did the adama maneuver actually originate in um in, in the original anime series of Space Battleship Yamato, or is this something that they added just for the movie when they did that drop onto uh, onto Iskandar and then make the ship warp at the last second? I, honestly, I, think, I, think, I think they I think they did do it. I can't remember. I haven't watched the show in its entirety in mm -hmm. in, a, in a long time. So, but I, I do remember something like that happening. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's um, it's been. It's been popularized by the Admiral, so don't be besmirching the Admiral and taking away <laughs> and taking away his awesomeness because you're was, trying to make some connection here. Some no, I'm, I'm just wristed connection. How dare you? I'm how asking, dare you, sir? I'm asking the goddamn how, question. You know, <laughs> I'm just putting that out into the ether. I'm it, not going to answer it. It is known as no more known. It's more popularly known as the Adama maneuver. So no, I'm I'm more I, apt I, to believe that. I, Kath, I do believe I do believe that I do believe there was something like that in there. So. Yeah. If, if, if anything, um, I, I'll just I'll just say it's the Adama maneuver. But um, and and also when Kodai was making his freefall drop in the Cosmo Zero, uh, it kind of reminded me of the scene where uh, even though he was in a spacecraft, it reminded me of the scene from Star Trek where um, Sulu and Kirk and uh, Olsen were making their their freefall. Awesome. <laughs> oh, Olsen! Oh, Olsen! Oh, 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 Olsen! Freaking up! Uh, freaking uh, decimated! But um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that scene. Concern. The, the greatest red shirt death ever. Oh man, that guy was rocked. But um, yeah, uh, it, 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 there there are moments of deja vu in this film, but it worked for me and it made for a solid film. This is easily to me the best sci-fi Japanese uh, Jan Japanese film, uh, a, a film that's based out of Japan that's based on a sci-fi property that I've ever seen. Special effects. Um, I, I know the acting is 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 inherently Japanese, so I've got a, a little bit of nitpicking with the acting, but they're speaking a language that is not. That's not native to me, so I, I I I definitely give it a pass. But um, for the most part, I I I love this film. If I was to uh, give it a rating, 
I would probably give it a four out of five. God, I, I forgot that you were the guy from inside the actor's studio being able to nitpick people's acting there, sir. Well, it, it's the pantomiming. <laughs> it's, the pa- it's the pantomiming that gets me sometimes. When someone grabs someone or, you know, when they're trying to get someone's attention or they're just being overly dramatic and there's a lot of hand movement. You know, it, it's 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 very stage-esque and I, I can understand the origins of that. But, you know, it, it looks kind of out of place. It kind of reminds me of uh, those tokusatsu shows where people over-gesture. It, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't huge in this movie but there were some moments that just seemed like overacting for some people not the actor that played the captain that guy was smooth throughout but um some moments from um the actor that played uh kodai you know he, he um he, he overacted just a little bit in some places but other than that it's a small it's a small nitpick and it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the movie and i thought it was an excellent man. adaptation so. man acted nazi man <laughs> And again, it's it's coming from a culture that, 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 yeah, that I, I, I understand I, another culture, yeah, man. Yeah, it's coming from a culture God. that I am not native to. Ugly so, America. I know. I, I'm 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 dirt. I'm I'm horrible. I, <laughs> I like this movie except for the horrible Japanese acting. <laughs> Says Solbro. Says Solbro. It stinks. But uh, what, <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys' ratings of the film before we wrap this up? I give it uh, uh, four out of five Adamas. Yeah, I, I give it four out of five too. What does DK give it? <laughs> I got scared, so I don't. I never finished it. Ugh. Emily, and, and oh, that, Christ! And there's DK's rating. There you go. But um, that'll wrap up this review of uh, oh, oh, yours. Oh, what mine? Four <laughs> um blocked up cannons out of five. Okay. That's <laughs> stars, and you never said yours. <laughs> that'll wrap up our review of Space Battleship Yamato, and we'll be Space back with Battleship Yamato. Space Battleship Yamato. There you go. And uh, we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. I know you, and I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, right? You tell me. You done lost your dumb damn mind. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh, wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. I can't believe Game & More forgave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerderagers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, 
the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop to Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. End of discussion! Debate is over! You will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology! You will kowtow, you will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can Get take me... Get used to it! It's the way of the world! If you're so hot on discipline, then gun damn it, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? Summer Goddess! All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Uh, and so concludes episode 89. In this episode, we talked about the first four episodes of Gundam Age and the live-action movie of Space Battleship Yamato. Uh, but before we get closed out, because what this is what we've been doing the last couple of uh, episodes now, we've moved the mail back to the, to the end of the show. We're going to go over to Chris, and I know his uh, mail sack is very heavy and very vomit. It is indeed. So we're behind, and we'll probably do a catch-up segment in the future. But uh, for now, we're going to start with some questions from the Goose, who says, Hello there, guys. Here are some more questions. Keep the mailbag nice and heavy. Though I hope that if Solbro is reading any of the questions, he doesn't skip any of them like he did last time in episode 83. Just kidding, Solbro. Everyone can make a mistake. He skipped up. He skipped questions. How dare you? I'm not surprised. How dare you? The qu- number one, the question Solbro forgot to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stylistically speaking, are there elements from American comics that you like over manga? Writing, art styles, etc. Also, are there elements from manga that you like over American comics? I know that uh, the, the element about manga that I like over American comics is that um, they could take the mundane and turn it into something um, bombastic. Um, I know that with American comics, for the most part, the ones that sell well have a focus on superheroes and superpowers. But um, when it comes to manga, there's a lot that uh, they, they just take a, like a normal thing and then they turn it into something outrageous like Yakitate Japan, um, you know, just, just taking baking into a whole different level. Um, when it comes to uh, elements in American comics that I like over manga, man, um, I like some of the, the, the characters that have been around for a long time. I, I guess the elements that I like. Um, I, I do like uh, the duality of uh, being a superhero and, and then having a, um, having a, uh, a, a hidden identity and, and trying to keep those two worlds separate. I guess that's the one thing I can think of. But um, what do you guys think? I think when it comes to American comics, I, I like sometimes the, the fact that there's a little bit more detail when it comes to some of the drawing and all that, just because they're not on as tight of a schedule um, as a lot of the manga artists they always seem you know some of those mangas it seems like they're almost done like weekly or bi-weekly at times as opposed to um the manga i I do i do have to kind of agree with you on the fact of the whole situation of taking something that can just seem like very ordinary and everyday and making it into an interesting story because like you did say most most american comics are um you know superhero based there are some that aren't but um you know not not too many that would really you know that really dot the landscape so 
I mean, that, that would probably be the biggest thing. But when it comes to like other things with like some of the writing and all that, I, a lot of a lot of the manga artists uh, imitate what's going on in American comics. So I know like the guy that did like Rurouni Kenshin and stuff. He's like a huge X-Men fan and stuff like that. And you can see his that style of, in his writing. And, and the guy so, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a huge X-Men fan too. And, and yeah. you can see that it had an influence on that series. So there's some things that cross over. Yeah, the world. Old Quicksilver. Well, I... Uh... Uh, personally don't have anything I like from one form over the other because I mean let's face it American and Japanese comics can both be just as formulaic in different ways yep. so I just like what appeals to me about individual series the one thing that um, I do like more about the Japanese market is the it's more open and it's not just superheroes yes there's more to the American comic market than that but you know the majority of American comics are focused on superheroes yeah, not not up until probably the last like ten to fifteen years did you start seeing yeah. a sh- shy away in the American side of just the superhero stuff. So, all right, number two, <sighs> I know that Chris and Neo have both called Evangelion overrated. Sorry, Solbro, I can't recall in any previous episodes if you felt the same way. But do any of you think that there is a part of the series that was actually innovative in a good way in the mecha genre or anime in general? Just to know that I'm only talking about the original series and not the other versions that have come out after it. Well, I'll put Solbro on the spot first. Solbro. Yeah, um, I, I, I liked Ava because it started out different from any mech show that I saw. Um, this is back in the mid-90s. I hadn't been exposed to a lot of mecha shows yet. But um, with Ava, uh, I, I liked the fact that um, at first that the character wasn't the, um, the archetypical main lead and that um, he was kind of thrust into a situation that he had no understanding of and that you learned bit by bit what was going on. Um, the earlier part of the series is what I'm most fond about. Uh, as they fight up against more of the angels towards the end of the show, end of the show and that the story... Uh, kind of uh you know just just kind of falls off towards the end i'm still a little miffed over that but um i'd say the first act of the series is really my favorite part of ava and 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 i i i I, the series is overrated to some degree but i'd be willing to talk about it with anyone (laughs) so um that's my part that's that's um that's my um thoughts on ava neil what, what, what's our part? Is it innovative in any way? Is there anything in a good way innovative about Ava? Just the, the original TV show? Hmm. Um, no. All right. Would you care to elaborate? <laughs> no. Okay. Because I'm com- completely confused. I, I don't even... I, I, there's so many different versions of Ava now, I can't even remember. the. the I, can't, I really can't remember it anymore because I've been exposed and now you know what's innovative is the fact that it made people think that if you throw a bunch of a bunch of uh, religious terms in there and just as gobbledygook they can sit there and extrapolate that it's some type of um, you know uh, message from God or something that's within the Bible you know just throwing a few terms in there doesn't make it uh, religious in any way shape or form so I think that's pretty innovative to uh, do a whole smoke and mirrors thing like that so Damn. there you go hate hate <laughs> rather uh, backhanded compliment <laughs> I dedicate that compliment to the general you know yes, you if, if you asked me this question 13 years ago I would say yeah but now no now, because yeah. I've, a- after having seen now all the stuff that came before Ava no there really is nothing innovative that Ava does you know all of the characters are mecha archetypes mm-hmm. I mean Shinji is just a whinier Amuro yeah yeah, pretty much. And there have been 
there have been plenty of unwilling pilots who have mm-hmm. problems and who have family issues. So Shinji's not original in that respect. You know, for all of the things of the the battles against the angels, it's a monster of the week show. It is. Yeah. It just it tries it tries very well to disguise that it's a monster of the week show, and I'm not saying that the battles aren't interesting, mm-hmm. but it's still in the end of the day a monster of the week show. Uh, yeah, it had a great soundtrack, but lots of shows have great soundtracks, and it certainly had a more cinematic style to yes. the direction with. Uh, yeah. All right. Hideaki Yano, who one might say is a director. <laughs> might. <laughs> might. Yeah, Possibly might true. be a director. He could be a but, director. Yeah. But there are other shows that have done that, too, and have had a sort of cinematic look to them. So I would say that there's nothing innovative at all about Ava. That's not a knock on it. The things that it does, it does well, and it's entertaining, but there's nothing original about it at all. And it annoys me when I see so many like non-anime fans writing about it, like it's some kind of unparalleled masterpiece, along with yeah. act- you know hardcore anime fans talking about it in the same breath. Like it's some you know unrivaled yeah. masterpiece. Citizen Kane of anime. Like to to echo Neo, adding in a bunch of Judeo-Christian gobbledygook does not make something deep. Yeah. And people, I think, over the years have been finding way, 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 way more depth than is actually there. Yeah. Because you have to look at it. I mean, it's a Japanese, it's a Japanese production, and they, a lot of it they put in there just to make it sound different and cool. Because, you know, for the most part, those concepts and terms aren't known that well in Japanese society. So... I mean, it's just it's just a plot point. And another thing is just it doesn't have just if if you think it's good, it doesn't have to be innovative. Like if a show is good, it just doesn't have to sit, you know, for a show to be innovative uh, or, or what I'm saying is if for a show to be good, it just doesn't have to innovate stuff. It can be just it can be the same old thing, but if it just does it well in its in its own way. And I think that that's you know, where Chris is going. And I, I kind of agree with him that, yeah, it's not innovative because it's not doing anything where hasn't been done before, but it does it, it does it in its own style. So, but that doesn't mean that it's bad, but it also doesn't mean that it's innovative. So I'm confused. Apparently. Well, next, next uh, another one for Solbro. Okay. I remember yeah. you mentioning in one of the past episodes that you felt that the definitive version of Evangelion was the manga by character designer Yoshiyuki Sadamoto. What, why do you feel this way, and in what ways is the manga superior to the series? Chris, Neo, feel free to throw your two cents in if you have any. Well, I only ever read like the first two or three volumes back when they were coming out, when it was still the old uh, flip style, the, mm-hmm. the big fatties. Yeah. So... I can't comment on it because I never read it beyond then. I don't even remember what was in those that stuck out as being different. But I know Sobro likes to mention it a lot, so uh, your your turn to be on the the fry pan again. Yay! Uh, I liked Shinji's depiction right off the bat. Uh, he, you know, he's a fish out of water at the beginning of it, much like he was in the anime. But, but he's he's, he's a lot more confident than this he's one. He's a lot more confident. He's not afraid to talk yeah. bad and curse his father out. Um, and he's he's less apt to put up with Masato's bullshit. So there was already points in his corner right the, right off the bat. Um, some drastic turns happen in the manga that don't happen in the TV show. Um, one character in particular dies. So um, and then yeah, it's not a death that happened in the TV show at all, which was really jarring when it happens. 
Um, for the most part, I like the pace of the manga. I, I like the reimagined fights that are in the manga, and and most for the most part, the depiction of the characters. Some of the angels look the same. Some things they do different. And I, and I hope that the movies, which I've only seen the first one, I hope the movies look at the manga as a as a point of reference because they don't. It 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 doesn't damn because it, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a me got Ava right, and I thoroughly have enjoyed reading the manga. I'm behind two volumes, so I got to go dig those up. But um, for the most part, yeah, it it is it's definitely superior. I really don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it's been out for like ten years. I I refuse to. If anything, if you can, if you're an Ava fan, find the manga and read it because you will thoroughly enjoy it. Well, yeah, less. Shinji is less annoying, and Ray is less creepy, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's just more less kids. There's actually more stuff within the the high school. You know, you you see a little bit more about that, and they go into a little bit more depth about like what the whole thing, what nerve and all that, and and what that whole school was all about. Hell, it was found- like the harvest point of um, pilots. All those kids were pilots, yeah, pilot candidates. Out- exactly. You find out about Koji's background, too. That, too. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, on top of that... How, a- he was a street urchin. Exactly. There's a kick-ass scene, too, between Shinji and his dad where they go to this graveyard. And I, I-, I love that scene. And um, it's just the dialogue they have between each other. And, and Shinji's-, Shinji's just pissed. <laughs> he is far more angrier in the in the comic than he is in the anime. And, and is rightfully so. You're, you're with him the entire journey from start to finish you're in his corner so yeah that's that's me on that all right next what do you guys think of the new thundercats cartoon i don't know i haven't seen it i've seen the pilot i I thought it was uh i thought it was cool and i I like will friedel as the voice of uh lionel uh you might remember will friedel as uh being terry mcginnis in uh batman beyond and i I think he does lionel pretty well um it's it's cool is it a a step-by-step like Re, re um reactment of or you know uh retelling of the the original thing or did they change it up or what they do you find out a little bit more what happens before they left um their home planet before it uh before it became uh, uh uninhabitable but um and you also get to hear the original voice of Lionel play Lionel's dad in this one and it's just a trip to hear him again but yeah it's it's a it's 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 very well fleshed out uh, um i need to watch more episodes but i did see the pilot and i i i like where that series is going i haven't seen it <laughs> well all right <laughs> are you planning to see it chris no <laughs> next have you guys seen any animated movies by director ralph bakshi lord of the rings fritz the cat wizards Cool World, etc. If so, what did you think of them? I may have seen bits of Lord of the Rings as a kid, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Cool yeah. World, I, I saw, and it was garbage. Yeah. But uh, I understand that a lot of things got changed in that movie from what the original vision was, and it's pretty much bastardized. So I guess that explains that. Uh, I think I think Bashki actually disowns that movie. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. And um, but yeah, the Lord of the Rings. I think anyone would. His version of the Lord of the Rings was the definitive on-screen version until um, Peter Jackson came out and made Neo's favorite movies of all time. <laughs> the longest movies ever. My God, I, I, I've never really? seen. Really, I, I didn't. I didn't know that Sir Bay had directed Lord of the Rings. <laughs> if Sir Bay did Lord of the Rings, it would be memorable. That'd be two-minute movies with mad I would, explosions. I would not. <laughs> I would not fall asleep watching them because I never You'd fall see asleep. Bricks exploding everywhere. Oh mm-hmm. my god! Been, <laughs> let's not even go there. I could. I. I mean, if there's something that needs to be redone, it's Lord of the Rings, Michael Bay style. That would be awesome. It'd be freaking awesome. All I right. Mean, his, I can pitch it to him. His last question is: What do you enjoy the most from recording and being a part of Gundam at MHQ? Nothing. I enjoy talking about Mobile Ops and Capcom. There you go. There you go. Uh, 
it, it, they enjoy shitting on Soul Bro, and I, it's, it is it is a it is an awesome pastime. <laughs> there it goes again. I think it needs the rock. It, the, I, 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 and I, I apparently I'm the guy who runs into the real rock. <laughs> you are. Well, that was but, us. That uh, wasn't us that said that. That was, that was somebody. It was probably the Groose that said that. Who knows? As a listener. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> now I, I enjoy talking to these cats, man. It's 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 a it's a good rapport we have, and um we've we've come a long way since we started and we reviewed a whole lot of stuff. We still haven't put a dent in what's out there, but um it, it's nice having a uh just just working on the show and having a back library of uh all the stuff we've talked about and I, I, i'm still excited about what's out there um to review and and the, the chat with these fellas about and um that's that's what i dig about being part of the show i like attacking trolls and calling them out on their stupidity and ridiculousness awesome because i think that people that go about and act like douchebags like them should be called out and chastised in society when i come to power these people will brought into public square and <laughs> shown so people can spit at them and throw things at them for their stupidness on the internet. Thank you. Where will all of the uh, rotten fruit and vegetables come from? Um, well, from from the from the all the uh, from dumpsters all the farms that no one's yeah picking. yeah all the dumpsters <laughs> yeah or, all, the, all the farms that the, all the all these farms nowadays are short hands because of all the immigrants leaving the country. So there's plenty of rotten fruit waiting on the vine for them. <laughs> there you go. Plenty. Sobro, Sobro figured it out. There we go. Just, just trying to fill in the blanks. All right. Next, we have K one seventy three who asks, "Have you, have any of you, seen the Japanese drama series Densha Otoko, aka Train Man? If you have, then it's obvious why I asked. And for those who haven't, the TV series in particular, not the movie so much, is an anime otaku who happens to be a hardcore Gundam fan specifically. The show itself shows his room, which is packed." with Gunpla and anime figurines and numerous Gundam in-jokes sprinkled throughout the series. Yes, I have seen the, the TV show. It's a hilarious, outlandish story, and it makes me jealous seeing how much crap this guy has in uh, his room of Gundam just everywhere, and I would spend every episode just trying to identify what's on what shelves. Oh, oh. And the Gundam in-jokes go all the way to the level of having the voice actors who played Matilda <laughs> in MSG show up in the last episode as his mother oh that's awesome and they make a matilda reference that's funny yeah i've I've never seen it but i was wondering what the last episode would be because i I was wondering if it would have been him just burning down his mom's house (laughs) no it's it's not it's it's scoring with the hot chick okay cool I've, i've i've never seen it i've heard of train man though um it reminds me of a character that is in a hot gimmick. There's a there's a big Gundam otaku that's in that series too, and it sounds just like him. <laughs> just a, a, a Gundam nut, but um, no, I've never seen Train Man. All right, next we have a question from uh, some some guy named Mula Flaga. Oh man, Boy. asking us uh, <laughs> strap in. <laughs> Only one question. Oh my God, really? Yes. Really? Really? Was he Only sick that one. day? Maybe. He's asking about Transformers, and he's curious what our experiences are with the Transformers series, aside from the ones that we've talked about on Gundam, such as G1, Surbase, Entries, <laughs> Prime, Animated, yada yada. And he goes into detail talking about his experiences with Beast Wars, Beast Machines, Robots in Disguise, Armada, and Energon, which I'm not going to read, but you can. So... What uh, what's your experience, gentlemen, with some of the other Transformers outside, outside of-, of what we talked about? I yeah, mean, I'll be honest with you. Pretty much what I've talked about is what I've seen. I mean, G One, Beast Wars, stuff like that. I, I don't, uh, you know. Of course, the the greatest 
contributions to cinema, the survey entries. Um, but naturally, I don't have anything else really. I I mean that's pretty much my experience. So I don't. I'm not like a normal like internet person. I conduct my opinion or do my opinion on things I know nothing about. So <laughs> I, I sorry, I'll sorry I failed you. Solro. I've I've only seen um outside of uh, the G1 stuff. I've only seen um Transformers animated, just a few episodes of that and the new Transformers series that's on uh, the hot the the sorry, the hub. So um other than that, I uh I haven't seen much. Well, aside from what we've discussed, I've seen a bit of Armada. Mhm. Maybe a good yeah. 13 episodes worth and a bit of Headmasters and a bit of Master Force and some of Robots in Disguise. So I do intend to eventually get back to finishing all these things, but it's a matter of time. Oh, probably. All right. All right. Next, we got Nasty Nate. He wants to know, who's your favorite main character from a Gundam and a Macross series? And also, who's your least favorite main character from a Gundam and a Macross series? Oh, that's easy. I- I'm going to dodge on this and say, listen to past episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know the ones. Yeah, the ones with the stuff in them. Yeah, 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 that's the ticket. I, 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 I that's, that's the question that put me on the spot. I, I'd have to go back to uh, previous statements. Uh, favorite Gundam lead? Probably Garrett Ran. Just thinking about it, he is the Not guy. Cool Rocky? Cool Rocky. <laughs> Come on, Cole, you can do Ooh. it. Absolutely, the least favorite main character from a Gundam franchise that would be him, Koa Rocky. So um, there you go. For Macross, I think it's kind of tough. I'd have to probably go with Hikaru for uh, favorite and least favorite. Probably, uh, uh, probably dude in uh, Macross Two. So uh, that's my, that's me. Well, Macross Two had the greatest supporting character. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, no, no, I won't besmirch Dennis. All right. So he also asks. What do you guys think of Samurai 7, and do you plan on doing an anime roundup of it? If you did watch the show, then what was your favorite moment? Mine would have to be when Katsuhiro gets his first kill and goes hardcore awesome from that point on. I've only seen, say, the first two episodes. It definitely caught my attention that it's a remake of a classic Kurosawa movie with robots, but I have not finished it. I've seen it, and I actually discussed it with uh, Dolo on his failed podcast. So, um... That's, I mean, if that's still available, just listen. You'll get my take on there. But I don't think we've ever talked about doing it here, have we? No. Yeah. We might, but not we might way soon. down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't hold your breath. Okay. Next, we have Mr. Bushido who asks, "This is something for fun. This is for everyone. You have to kill one of two people: Solbro, Saji Crossroad, or M Machine." I have, I've been asked this before by someone else, actually. This is sadistic. Well, you're going to have to answer man. it again. Oh, God yeah. damn it. I, 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 oh, wait, 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 wait. Chris, what do you think? What do you think he's going to say? I say, I think he's going to say Saji. I think I as think much Saji. as, yeah, I think as much as he loves Saji, he's not going to turn down the goods there. Well, if I, if I had to make a uh, Commander Shepard decision. Now, remember, <laughs> she's, she's got the little beret on. So yeah. that's. No doubt. It, and and she's got you know her her normal suits zipped down a little bit to show off her cleavage. Yep. So just remember. Well, uh, as I said before, um, looking pathetic with uh, with his pizza hat on. <laughs> as I said before, when this question was asked to me, um, I'd, I'd I'd have to off Saji as much as I think he's awesome. Uh, I, 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 I am a bit more fond of Emma. So Emma, awesome. sta- Emma stays alive. Emma stays alive. But uh, all right, all right. Uh, next up on the slaughtering block, Neo. Mm-hmm. Surbay or Akeda? Mm, damn. That's a Sophie's choice right now. <laughs> Shit. Damn. What are you going to do, man? <laughs> I say it's going to be Ikeda, man. Because he still wants to be Michael Bay's explosion guy, so he don't want to kill off Michael Bay too soon. That, that, that is true. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, you guys are correct, but and, not, and Kate is an old guy, so not, yeah, exactly. That's the reasoning because I look at it. I look at it this way: the mortality rate of both those guys. Surveys brought what what early, late mid forties, late forties, early fifties, maybe. Mm-hmm. It is what probably in his sixties, um, you know, mid sixties or so. Chances are, a Kate is not going to be with us any longer for you know too much longer, right. uh, maybe another twenty years. But with Sir Bay, we can have this movie magic for another forty or fifty years. So many more explosions. <laughs> and just think, uh, the more and more technology advances, the more and more impressive these explosions could be. Oh my God, I just think yeah. that yeah, it, it's a tough one though because that that's just not right. Who is this person that said asked this question? Mr. Mr. Bushido. Our Star Wars e- resident. You're an evil person. <laughs> oh, then he has he has a great one for me. <laughs> oh, he does. <laughs> and you're not and you're not evil in that good Star Wars way like uh, your boy Anakin. For me, he asks Nina Purpleton or Kira Yamato. Now here's the thing. He put for you guys people that it would be like. hard for you to yeah. choose who to want to kill because you don't want to kill either one of them. But he gives me people that I both want to kill. Absolutely. It's, it, it's still a Sophie's choice, man. Which, in a way, <laughs> is difficult, too. But it's an easy choice. Nina Purpleton. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Plus, uh, Jesus Yamato's unkillable. He'd come back anyway. Can <laughs> 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 <Can> reanimate. <laughs> Cure a zombie. Nice. Nice. And uh, number two, he asks us, oh boy, a Star Wars question. There you go. Talking about the, uh, the recent Blu-ray release and talking about the, the change involving uh, Return of the Jedi at the end there with a certain no. <laughs> and he's asking how we feel about it because he's not a happy camp. He's not a happy camper about it. Well, you know what? I don't care because I'm not going to reward George Lucas's bad behavior and I'm not going to buy it. And he can keep messing it up for all I care because I'm not going to support him. And maybe someday he'll be declared senile and someone who has power of attorney will direct somebody to release the original versions of all of these movies. And then I'll buy it. You hold out hope. No, you know, I've, I don't hold out hope, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to cave in and just settle for you know, his constant tinkering that makes things worse. Yeah, I... I'll be honest with you. I've only heard about the changes. I haven't actually seen them, and I'm probably not going to see them unless somebody just you know, that owns it is going to show it to me. Because once again, I'm not going to reward him by um, you know by purchasing this. And um, yeah, it's I, I feel the same way. It's like you know what's going to happen in the next five years. So you know if you're if you're an unhappy camper, dude, nobody forced you to buy it. So. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. And, and it's hard not to know that these changes happened before you even went out and bought it. Um, if, if you did go out and buy it, I don't know if you did or not. But um, All I know is yeah. when, 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 I, when I was going to work, like when, uh, when this stuff really came out, they, the morning show out here, they actually talked about it. And there was like, you know, people, this, this was like a big thing. And they kept asking people the same thing. Are you still going to buy it? And they're like, yeah. You know, so it, it, is, it is battered wife syndrome. So, you know, <laughs> it's like you, you can only bitch and complain about it so much, but... You know, rewarding it's it's going to only enable him to do it more. <laughs> so, because money is money is a drug, and changing things are a drug to George Lucas. The more and more you reward reward him for it, he's going to do it. <laughs> and our last questions come from Rygens. Rygens, hell yeah. Who asks, does Shar's relationship to his younger sister Sela seem to be a direct or indirect cause of the Onichan Onisama slash Big Brother craze that is going on in anime these days. It's just that 
Recently watching MSG, Sayla seems like a pretty level-headed and normal woman until Char shows up, reducing her to a dribbling emotional mess calling for her big brother not to leave her behind again. And part two of that, could that also be a reason for the rumors of Char's love of the lollies? He just misses being the Onichan to a cute girl in a mobile suit. Keep up the good work. How dare, how dare you say these things? Well, Neo, why, why don't you tackle this incisive question first? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure when it comes to the um, the big brother, big you know, little sister thing, I would imagine um, that relationship plays a part in what's currently going on. But then there's there you've always seen it in animes before that too. So um, you know, there's 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 just a there's just a there always seems to be like a stronger dynamic between brother and sister in the Japanese culture than there does in America. So that's probably why it seems a little bit you know. We usually hate our brothers and sisters, um, and you know they're they're usually very um, you know they're very a lot more family oriented than we are. So um, and this this whole thing about him having a secret thing for Sailor is going to give him the love for the lollies. How dare you? That 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 is that is that is wrong. And I hope you burn in hell for saying those words because that's not it. He just likes young chicks, man. That he does. I don't. I never got the idea that he was having some thing for his sister. The only thing he cared about was not getting her caught up in all of his bullshit and all his nonsense that he was doing. So it, you know, it wasn't. If protecting her is a crime, then I guess he's a criminal, bastard. Well, I mean, it, 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 if you if you were to visit uh, the psyche of a uh, Shar and sailor um I, I don't i know they do have the brother sister thing going on where um she she does kind of melt anytime he shows up but it, it's clear he can't wait to get the hell away from her <laughs> anytime they run into each other he's in a true. hurry he's in a hurry to get the f out and uh you can see that she's not even in shore's counterattack. so <laughs> he's he's done a pretty good job of staying staying as far away from his sister as he could possibly can I don't know if that is the reason for his love of the lollies, where he's missing the being the big brother. But um, I, I just he just he took a path in life where he wanted to separate himself from his sister and and make sure that she doesn't get uh caught up in his nonsense. And and uh, if anything, it's, it's put a rift between them. But she still seems to have a soft spot for him when he shows up. So I I don't know. It, it, we could be looking too much into this. But yeah, I I, I don't I, his love for the lollies comes from something else. I don't know what that is. I I don't know that that it is the the start of this whole brother sister thing because the concept of the the brother complex and the sister complex is pretty well established. Yeah. yeah. So certainly there are anime that make reference to what's happening in MSG, but I don't think that it's the originator for for that trope. Yeah. And as for the lollies, you know, I think that just comes from an in-universe misunderstanding because even in Shars Counterattack they make jokes about it of Gune saying, "Oh, you know, they say he likes younger girls and, you know, yeah, Lala was like 16, but at the time, Shar himself was like 19. So that yeah, doesn't, yeah. that's not really saying, you know, oh, he's into lollies. It's a three-year age difference, yeah. you know. And let's not apply American legal standards because we're talking about the future in space. So, you know, that's completely inapplicable. And, and too, in Shar's counterattack, he was with Nanai. So it's like... Yeah, he's with Nanai, and he completely ignored yeah. Quest's constantly throwing herself at him so if and he only said things to her to encourage her to be a pilot and use her yeah and he admits you know that he he ignored her feelings and turned her into a machine you know if he was in the lollies he'd have been like hey quest what's up you know all he did was manipulate her to his own ends he didn't have any actual feeling for her yeah 
that is the last question for the mailbag right now. And of course, if you want to ask more questions and cause us to fall even further behind, you can do so in the mailbag thread on Gundam's forum at mechatalk.net. All right. Well, thanks, Chris, and thank you, everyone, for your mailbag submissions. Uh, Soulbro, can you give us some of the websites that you like people to look at? Absolutely. Head on over where the magic happens. Mahq.net. That's the Mecha and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right. It's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And last but not least, Shinjuku Station has a movie podcast. Shinjuku Station at the Movies can be found at shinstation.blogspot.com. Back to you, Neo. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And so concludes episode 89. Um, like always, uh, Christmas is coming up, so there's always things for your pet and yourself. So always... Uh, you know, support Champs and uh, Petco through our website. So, um. oh, I, I, there's one thing. I, if you don't mind, there's one thing I would like to add. It, it's something simple. Um, I would like to thank the Hod. Uh, he came by my place to visit me just recently, and um, he gave up me out of the blue um, something to give to our listeners. And uh, the details will be up in the thread for this episode. But um, he gave me, because he's the pastor of Argamas, he gave me another model of the Argama uh, to <laughs> give away to our listeners. It is uh, <laughs> the same one he gave to me? It's the same one he gave to, gave to you, but it's not assembled. It's in this box. And um, basically, uh, uh, we'll put the, the contest rules in the, in the thread for this episode. We're definitely going to be giving that away to one of our lucky listeners. So um, stay tuned and more details. What, what's the contest? Are you waiting, are you waiting to post it then? Like, uh, what? Well, um, I was thinking, um, if anything, that... Uh, or is this something post. we should discuss <laughs> before, before we do uh, a contest? Hey, it was kind of sudden when I got it, so uh, if anything, uh, the more details will be up, and uh, I'll, I'll toss it back to you. At this regard, anything that's just said, there's there's a contest coming up where you could possibly win an Argama, so... Yes. What it is, we don't know, but just <laughs> stay tuned. Stay but, tuned. All right, well, uh, thank you, Mr. The Hod, for your um, bestowing of the Argama, and I'm still waiting on mine. So, uh, Chris Solbro, any last pearls of wisdom before we move on? Well, I have one thing, if you're a listener of chaos theater and you listen to our most recent episode where we had general hate and we were the ones hating on heavy rain you might have noticed at one point that we included a little mini rant from the foul sorceress with a little bit of uh, listener feedback and that's something that we plan to roll out on a regular basis with both chaos theater and gundam so listen uh, in the future for more details about that about how you can uh, participate and uh Drop us some audio with uh, your thoughts on various subjects. So the general got hated on. Can't believe this. Yes, he 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 was the defender of something, and Pedro hey. and I were tag teaming him, hating on it. So he he assumed the role of the soul bro, and you you two assumed the role of the general. Pretty Personal fortune. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much. Man, how I, I'll have to definitely listen to this because well maybe I shouldn't. I might lose respect for him. I don't oh. know. Yeah, general man, I'll, I'll help you if you need your mojo back. I have, I'll give you some of my hate. But. 
All right. Well, that's great. So uh, listen to Chaos Theater or listen to Gundam. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with episode 90. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. All right, boys, move back. Make a plan. I'm guessing your new commander's arrived, huh? You got it. So, what's this one like? I don't know, man. I just met him. I bet you won't be complaining you're bored anymore. We've been training in preparation for the... Look at him. <laughs> bet he's gone within a few weeks. Care to make a wager? Hmm. Give him a chance, for God's sake. All right, you're on. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. about now where's the boy i already told you i don't know how about your boss's name you know that yet i got a family you gonna kill them too because he will you ever see two cats in a bag what you want out get your boss's name it's a- oh!